Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. There's no other K-pop podcast like it. This is Ash. I am joined by my lovely co-podcasters, Jimin. Hi, guys. And Nat. Hello. We have an incredible show this week. We have a very special guest. Please join me in welcoming to the podcast, K-pop columnist, Jeff Benjamin. Jeff, thank you. (laughs) Jeff is, of course, known for um, your K Town column for Billboard. Um, You're an alumna of New York University. You've contributed to the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Teen Vogue, NPR, ID Magazine, Nylon, BuzzFeed, Apple Music, and many, many other um, outlets. just thank you so much for joining us. It's certainly an honor. And I can say is all three of us are obviously K-pop fans that we've been following your work for a long time. So it's great to finally have you on. Oh, thank you for saying that. And yeah, no, thanks for having me. I I, uh, I like you guys' podcast a lot. So I, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. So for this recording, we're going to start off with an interview just to give our listeners a chance to know you better, um, familiarize themselves with what you do, and then you'll join us for some discussion of the news and reviews and comebacks. So we will start with the interview. First question, how long have you been a fan of K-pop? Yeah, I think um, I think it's been about or just, I think I celebrated my decade anniversary um, last year because, um, you know, I I wasn't importing CDs, you know, when I was like a teenager or anything like that. It was definitely thanks to YouTube and, um, you know, music forums and blogs uh, when that started getting popular. And, you know, music was just so much, much more accessible then. So definitely around the 2008, 2009 time, when more artists were kind of making those initial steps into America, you know, we're talking about like Boa's English album and Wonder Girl's English songs and things like that. Um, Yeah, it definitely was that, but it wasn't until I think, you know, 2009 where I actually found like K-pop, K-pop, you know, I think for the longest time, I just kind of heard these catchy songs that were in English and happened to recognize that, okay, you know, these people are popular in Korea. But um, it was definitely in 2009 when I really heard like K-pop in Korean, you know, watch the live stages and everything. It was, um, yeah, so just about, or rather just over 10 years now. Okay. Um, What did you study to become or what were your career aspirations? Yeah, I think, well, at first, you know, and actually when I first got into K-pop, I was actually at um, New York University for music business. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to work at a record label or work in marketing or management or something. Um, but what I kind of quickly realized is that the business side is not my strong suit. Uh, I, uh, I I was actually, you know, the program itself, I. I wasn't the biggest fan of. It was a lot of music classes, which was fine. And it was a lot of business classes, which it wasn't fine. And 
I was actually like really close to getting kicked out of school. I probably should have gotten kicked out of school because my grades were just so bad. But, um, but you know, I, I kind of quickly, you know, and I, my advisors would even say things like, do you like writing? Your writing classes are much better. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But um, it was definitely thanks to interning at Billboard um, that I actually got to, I actually really realized like, I liked writing. I was way more inspired to write. My grades started getting better. So I actually switched um, majors halfway through college to go from music business to a music and journalism major. And, um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, studying was good. And, you know, I learned, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diminish like what I studied, but it was just a lot of hustling and a lot of like going to class while also trying to like land stories as a, <laughs> as a 21 year old. <laughs> Did you think five to 10 years ago that you can make your love of K-pop a career? Uh, it's a good question because I, I think I, I just always know I wanted to do something with music. You know, I was actually really jealous of this one writer at Billboard um, who was really on the tip of like the big dance um, music uh, movement that was kind of happening in 2011, 2012 times. That was when, you know, because dance music, festival music, house music, it had been huge in um in Europe, uh, all throughout Europe, and especially the UK for so long. And I was so jealous of this writer who like really, you know, got to explore this world and was just at the forefront of this world. And I was a big fan of dance, or I am a big fan of dance music rather. But, um, you know, I think I just always, my big thing was always just wanting to show the music that I loved. Like I was a really stubborn intern and I would, whether it was like a, a UK girl group or like a, an Arab pop singer or, or K-pop as it would be. I just always really wanted to share the things that I loved and wanted to bring it to a bigger platform. Um, so, you know, it was just always, I think the natural step is like doing something I love. And, you know, thankfully I love K-pop and, you know, I wanted to share it and bring it out in more spaces. So um, here we are. So I guess I never would have imagined K-pop per se, um, the neighborhood I grew up in as a kid, it actually had a big Korean population. And one of my best friends growing up in first, second and third grade was Korean. But did I ever know about his music or know about the pop music in his country? You know, no, but um, it was really interesting to kind of see where we're at today. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your turning point, like your big break at Billboard? Would you say? Um, I think, you know, I guess not to like dodge the question, I guess, but like, I don't even know if it was like a turning point per se, but it was like, I think it was just continuously like making sure the work was good, you know, doing things that I knew would get traction and, and resonate. And, you know, I, I will say definitely the timing was, I, I feel very blessed and very lucky that the timing was, was very good. Um, when I was interning, you know, in 2011 is when they Billboard Korea began. They launched a K-pop chart. Um, more actual K-pop acts were landing on the charts, just period. It was, this was the time when Big Bang, uh, you know, sent their first album to the, um, I know we have like a big top fan in the, 
in the in the room. Um, <laughs> I, um, yeah. So it was that. It was like Girls' Generation signed with a U.S. label. TTS landed on the charts. There was a lot of good movement already happening, and um, and then of course Kingdom Style and Psy happened in 2012, which was the year. I graduated college and that was a really, I suppose maybe that was definitely a turning point because I think it was just like all the sigh they could get, they wanted the sigh. Like it was like, and it was an exciting thing, you know, for the, you know, here he was, this kind of unexpected Korean singer was literally rising up the charts with this hilarious, you know, video song, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and yeah, it was really cool to, um, kind of get to take that moment. And then of course we launched the column in 2013 and just always tried to keep it moving, keep it going and yeah. Okay. So is that kind of how you ended up on that beat? Was by kind of covering Psy and these kind of emerging artists? Yeah, well, you know, it definitely started as a, no one else knew what it was. You know, I was in the office, I was, interning um they knew i liked it and they knew i was like passionate about it i mean i was always pushing like you know that there's definitely a nuance to it and an art form to pitching especially when you're new to a publication and whatnot so you know i was bringing out all kinds of story ideas but i think they were just like throwing me a bone every time they could um but you know i think quickly they realized they're like oh like wow he knows what he's doing like there was a you know, Billboard Korea, Billboard put on this show, I think it was 2011 or 2012 in Las Vegas, um, a K-pop concert. I don't even know if too many people knew about it, but like Brown Eyed Girls were there and Sistar was there and they needed descriptions of all the artists performing and, you know, everyone was in over their heads. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I love this stuff. Let me do, you know, I'm more than happy to do it. So I think it was just one, I, I was there, I, I was in the room, I was, able to just kind of show that I knew what I was doing. And, you know, luckily it went over well and hopefully they liked my writing and saw that I knew what I was doing. And it was it was reaching more audiences like that too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Who was your first, first ever K-pop interview? Yeah, I think um, I really started off uh, uh, really lucky. I, I'm nearly positive it was 21. Um, where I, I I don't know. Do you are you guys like Twenty One fans as well? Yes. Nat is a huge Twenty One. She's a stan. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. I I consider myself a uh, YGE uh, connoisseur in some ways. So okay. I am a fan of most of the groups there. <laughs> Obviously, Twenty One and Big Bang being the tops. But yes. Yeah. Uh, oh. No pun intended. Okay. Um, yeah. They, um, yeah, it, it, well, it was amazing because, and, and quite literally, you know, actually, maybe this is a really good answer to your breakthrough moment question because I actually have never been asked that. So it's a really um, good question. So thank you for that. But um, it's, uh, it was the story that actually gave me, you know, the money to afford a flight back to New York because actually after I graduated, I, I just went home because I didn't have anything lined up. Um, you know, I just kind of 
I, it was really difficult to graduate too. I wasn't even, I think I got confirmation I was graduating like a year, or sorry, a day before graduation. Like it was just a lot going on. So I went home, decomposed, decompressed for a while. <laughs> and then I got this story opportunity because 21 was playing their first show concert in New York, New Jersey. And I was gonna go backstage with them at the, show concert and then we were going to do an interview in the studio the next day um so that was actually my first interview and i remember being so nervous and so corny like i was like i remember texting with the um with the photographer being like oh my gosh you know like um they might bow like i just like i you know don't be freaked out like i don't know why i needed to like prepare everyone as if like we're all like i, I don't know i was so nervous not to like ruffle any feathers or make any like faux pauses or something like that i was just like way too like you know nervous about it but i i really do remember it as a good memory and it was kind of amazing to to then like have um reconnecting with with um you know later interviews with Baum or, or CL or Minzy, where, where they actually remember that that moment um, together. So it was really, um, it, it's definitely a fond moment in my heart. <laughs> oh, okay. How do you typically prepare for these interviews? Like, can you take us through the paces of like how these interviews with the K-pop stars usually go? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think the first when I when I was thinking about, you know, I guess when I think about this process, right? It's like, and I think it's a large, it's an issue because, or rather, I think we see a lot of issues with people who aren't necessarily in the space, living in the space, you know, like keeping up to it day to day, and that's why we see so many of these kind of like unfortunate questions or questions that you're only gonna find from the headlines that make it to the first page of Google. You know, first and foremost, I think it's being part of it and, you know, living and breathing it, you know, day to day and, and keeping up with what's happening and what people are saying and, and what the artists themselves are doing. Um, I think that's, you know, kind of the first part of the process of, uh, of just preparing. But, you know, too, I think something I always wanted to do, no matter what the artist is, is just make them feel like, they're being heard as an artist. You know, I, I tend to go to a lot of questions that go into the music and ask about specific songs or specific, you know, things they did with whatever, you know, vocals, production, lyrics, whatever it might be, um, and wanting to go deeper in that. You know, I think that's always a really good starting point, at least for my process, because if you're understanding what they're putting out as musicians and you know, I know sometimes K-pop gets a bit of a rap as, you know, it's not always about the music or whatever, but you know, ultimately these are people who are performing and want to be on stage and want to, um, and want to, you know, perform and, and share themselves as musicians. So I always think that's a really good place to start. And, you know, also asking my curiosities too, what I want to know and what I want to find out and things that I think are you know, going to help them connect with a larger audience beyond what they've already established. Okay. Who is your favorite artist to interview? Uh, so difficult. So I'm gonna like make people mad, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, that there's, I mean, there's been so many like great 
experiences. I, I don't even know if I could say like a favorite per se, but there's definitely some that like stand out just in terms of like, for different reasons too. Like if they were really funny, if they were, you know, really hardworking or if they surprised me, um, you know, I always really appreciated um, that I, I did, I think it was Red Velvet's first like US interview. They came to KCON LA, Los Angeles in 2015. This was, I think they were under a year into debut. Yeri had just joined. Um, this is ice cream cake era. And, you know, I don't even really know. I mean, I, I know it's me being like, uh, always trying to, you know, be encouraging and, and try to be positive in interviews. But, you know, I guess I, I was saying the word awesome a lot when they were responding to me. I was saying, you know, awesome, awesome. Uh, and then they kind of like picked up on it and started like repeating it and saying like, awesome, awesome. Like, we love awesome, Mr. Awesome. And I'm like, these girls are making fun of me. And I totally loved it. And like, actually in further interviews, they remembered it and kind of like brought it back. So it's like, do I have an inside joke with these like, you know, K-pop, you know, that's like kind of, a, a, you know, hilarious to me. And I'm so, I want to be like that punching bag and, you know, make anyone comfortable or make anyone laugh. You know, I think it's wonderful in that way. Um, and I think too, um, you know, something recently that really resonated like with my heart too was just uh, when we were doing a live interview with Seventeen on the Build series um, show in New York. Um, I was, you know, I really love Seventeen. I, I, I remember meeting them also. I think it was 2017 for their first U.S. interview, and that was always awesome. Guys are so engaged; they're so chill but fun. And I remember, um, you know, we opened it up to audience questions and it, I thought it was an amazing day, but then it really ended on this special note because a fan in the audience asked them to speak about their LGBTQ fans. And, um, you know, they, I, I don't even think that question was vetted. I, I was actually like, you know, I, I think my internal uh, compass just for navigating K-pop, like got people, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, how did this, you know, are, are, are there, is there label heads freaking out? But everyone was really chill about it. Um, they're like PR people were all on their phones chilling. Um, and you know, they, they congregated together and Vernon gave this really beautiful answer. And, you know, even if I don't think the Korean speaking members fully understood what he was specifically saying, you know, they were definitely nodding along and, and, you know, giving their, you know, approval. It was just a really beautiful moment. And I, I think I really appreciate that. And I, uh, and I always kind of look fondly back on that interview in particular. Okay. <laughs> long question, long answer, sorry. Tell me to wrap it up if you need to. <laughs> oh no, it's all good, it's all good. Um, have you seen more journalists willing to cover K-pop in recent years? Have you seen like an influx? Yeah, and I feel like I gotta, you know, I be a bit more, gotta be a bit more protective these days. I mean, you know, I will say for, for the longest time, it was like, I would just talk to, and I wanted to talk to anyone who was willing to give this stuff a chance. And like, cause I believed in it and, and I knew they would see results and I knew they would see um, interest. And I knew they would see, you know, whether that's traffic or engagement or whatever it is. You know, I just was so 
I, you know, I, I gave away, I think, you know, looking back on it as a wiser person, I gave away a lot of, you know, valuable information. Um, these days, you know, I think I almost get asked a bit too much for insight and contacts and, you know, all these things. And it's a bit, um, it, it, I, I, I think I've gotten a better sense and a better internal compass of who's coming at it for the right reasons and, and who, who can, you know, who wants to uplift it and, and whose voice needs to be heard versus just, you know, we want to get so-and-so because we think they're going to get us some, you know, good numbers or whatever. So I've definitely seen it growing. I don't know if it's always in the most positive way, but, you know, I guess there's always going to be bumps in the road and there's always going to be, um, there's always going to be kind of those growing pains. So um, all to say, yes. <laughs> Different aspect. <laughs> Uh, what would you say is the current attitude toward case towards K-pop by the mainstream music industry? Um, you know, I, I think for the longest time, it was just like this thing that no one really did take seriously. I mean, I still remember, you know, I, I had a an editor who uh, who quite literally at Billboard told me like, stop trying to make K-pop happen. It's not going to happen. Um, to which I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, but they were they actually work at Pitchfork, and I saw them cover the BTS uh, new song today. So I was like, you know what? Look at you now. Come on. But um, but uh, you know, I definitely think. They're they're aware that it's it's definitely part of the conversation now, um, and you know I still don't think it's always done in the most you know broad um, broad. What am I trying to say? Like most inclusive way, you know. I think lots of times when you're talking about those mainstream conversations, certain artists are brought into the you know certain parts of the conversation are dictated by those other parts of the mainstream conversation. So I'm talking about the artists who have US record deals, who have US PR. Not that they're not worthy of being part of the conversation, but it seems very much like because there's this comfortability with the record labels and almost like, oh, we've signed them, we've given them a cosign, you know. Now, you know, the the outlets and the media is kind of like, oh, okay, so we we can accept them as well, you know, regardless of what tier or what they represent in the larger K-pop conversation. Um, you know, again, it, it's a lot of growing pains. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, you know, I think knowledge. And, and you know, I, I just always hope that everyone is feeling respected, feeling good about where things are going. And, you know, it's all done in a, in a spirit of, of being open-minded and being a, uh, and being, you know, respectful and, and you know, prog mm -hmm. progressive in that way. Okay. Do you have any tips on anyone wanting to become a K-pop music journalist? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, we were talking about it a bit before, but, you know, um, on one hand, you know, this is, it's all about K-pop in a sense, like, you know, being part of this world and bringing a perspective that I think is, unique and knowing things that other people will not know. I mean, I, I, I've, I, I've seen it, you know, even with like, 
you know, I wrote something recently for this and I was really, really nervous about it and anxious about it. And I was so late in delivering it, like weeks late um, because this writer, I, I don't know why I was so freaked out, but I just, you know, he's a big in like the jazz writing um, journalism community and he, he's a really, you know, great writer. And I was so nervous that, you know, he would judge my K-pop writing or, you know, think I was less than worthy, but, you know, for whatever reason. But um, he, you know, just like said, like, this is, you know, thanks for doing this, your, your knowledge is, you know, um, I would never know like all these things and your knowledge is barred and not, you know, things like that. I'm like, oh, you know, I forget that like, I almost need to remind myself, and this is what I like to remind other people too, is that, you know, that skill set, that knowledge set is so important, especially when it comes to thinking about an international music community in that way. But at the same time too, I always say it's it's also not about K-pop, you know, you you need to have your 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 skill set, your, you know, write every day, write as much as you can. Um, and you know, it doesn't need to be the biggest publications. I during school had a blog, a terrible blog that you, I believe is officially erased from the internet that you guys can't find anymore. But like, I just forced myself to write every day, um, multiple times a day, whether it was news or I had a song of the day feature. And I just realized, you know, how much better my writing was getting even, and how much more comfortable I was um, as a writer. Um, once I kind of put that more into play and, and you know, find people that are going to push you and, and make you a better writer. You know, I think it's, it's so easy just to find people that agree with us and, um, and, you know, not push yourself in that way. So I think, um, yeah, as much as it is about K-pop, it's also not about K-pop. Okay. Uh, how did the Black Lives Matter donation from Big Hit come about? <laughs> yeah, I, it's a good question. And I know the internet has a lot of, theories about it um, and um, you know in to be you know of course respectful to that conversation you know a, a private conversation you know I, I will just say you know it was certainly not something that you know uh, I felt at least when it was for when the news was first brought to me to break from big hit uh, was you know not this grand PR move, but you know, something that they genu genuinely felt like that they wanted to help and, and wanted actually help in making it significant. And, and you know, I, I don't want to get uh, rather, you know, again, wanting to be respectful to the conversation, but it wasn't mm -hmm. the way that the donation went. Um, it wasn't intended to exactly be. Um, like, you know, at first 100% to Black Lives Matter. And, and, you know, it was like having a conversation about, you know, what's happening right now? What is the conversation um, that's happening right now? Do you want your message to be diluted um, in a way where, you know, it's not gonna have that same impact that I believe you guys are trying to show that you're listening and trying to show that you're paying attention. And, you know, again, they, they didn't wanna, make a grand statement, you know, I, I saw some reports that, you know, I, I was like searching for this, you know, donation and I came across a million dollars from Big Hit uh, you know, Entertainment and that I, you know, leaked it to, you know, Variety or whatever. No, it, it, was, a, it was a conversation where they, they wanted to, you know, share it, say, you know, say we're doing this one time 
um, this is what it is. This is, you know, what we want to do. And, and I think also they felt the pressure as well. You know, I think it was a really interesting, um, and I know you guys have talked about it a bit on the show, but, you know, it was really interesting when BTS made their statements that there was sort of a lot of follow-up um, from several artists in that same kind of time period. And I think they just wanted to show that, you know, this wasn't BS, you know, this wasn't for a TV show, this wasn't for a whatever. Um, we're, we're really putting our money where our mouth is. And um, and so I, I respected that they just, they weren't going on a big crest run to, you know, talk about their donation. It, it was just a one-time thing. We just want to put it in one, one publication and, you know, have the results ripple as they may. All right. So um, this is going to be sort of like a rapid fire sort okay. of, um, section. I'm not a lot of questions, but we do want you to answer like right away. No thoughts. So we get the purest form of your answer. Okay. I'll try my best. My mind is, I haven't meditated today. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Much, so, so first question, most awkward interview. Um... It was awkward. I, I know what the answer is, and I want to just do a quick caveat. Um, it was awkward because of the staff, um, not because of the artists. The artists were actually great, but um, it was t my first interview with Twice, and that's oh. all I'll say. Okay. Favorite or, groups. Oh, sorry. Hello? Or Vix. Or, and again, it was another thing with, with a staff member, just like being abrupt and rude and making a weird energy. Oh that's no, that's so sad. Cause if the group is great, then it kind of sucks that, you know, the people behind them who are making these decisions are just like really crappy and, and sort of dampening the good mood and the good vibes, right? Yeah, and they know it too. Like, even if we're not like, you know, 100% in tune with Korean and English, you know, like they, they know that like, it's awkward and like, you shouldn't like interrupt people like that or tell them, Oh, you're done here. Like, or like, you know, it's just like, what? Like, it's just so weird. Okay. Next question. Favorite groups? Oh, well, I mean, I always have a strong place in my heart for after school who was, ah, who gasped. I love that. Ah, that was me. That was me, Nat. Sorry. I love after school. Um, they were, that, that first group that I, I, saw as, as, you know, listening to their Korean music and really getting into their Korean music and wanting to go deeper as K-pop fans do. Um, yeah, it was um, really, uh, they're, they're my, they're, they're always gonna be there from that like special group for me, but I, I, I love Infinite. Um, I've always loved Infinite. I, I do love BTS and um, Red Velvet FX. Um, oh, 17 a lot. and. I really do like Kristen, even though they're technically not around, but I think about them a lot these days. <laughs> yeah, what happened to them was totally not fair. So I, I, I get you. <laughs> so wait, was After School your first K-pop group? I mean, you know, if, if uh, hearing things here and there, like the Boas, the Wonder Girls, the Girls' Generations, but After School was that first group I really like, took a deeper dive interest in being like, oh wow, like not only like, do they have like all these stage performances and you know going back to their old music but the members have put out solo stuff and there's a unit and all these things it was like that i always say that like they were my first k-pop group because like 
I really found out what that world was like, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, totally get you. That's Big Bang for me, so yes. Uh, uh, favorite soloist? <gasps> this is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think IU is very brilliant. Um, I feel like she's always my go-to just as someone who like, you know, can do so much as a musician and with her voice. And also like kind of made fun of me in our interview, which I totally love and like, <laughs> like got to meet her in what was that 2014, I think it was 2013, 2014. And I just always, yeah, look fondly upon her. <laughs> okay, well, as a little segue from that, when you interview, you interview in English, right? Yes. Do you speak Korean? Um, trying my best, okay. <laughs> you know, I can read it um, and I can try to write it. Um, but, you know, definitely having like a conversation is not, not a, <laughs> no, I, I don't speak it fluently or anything, but learning and taking lessons and all those yeah. things. Okay. Cause I have seen your interviews and I always see it in English, but yeah. I know that being a part of this world motivates a lot of people to learn the language, you know? Yeah. So I want to see exactly where you were on that as well, since you've been in it so long. Especially, um, I know. And that's the, that's the shame is that like, and you know, I'll fully admit like language has just never been my thing. I took Spanish for so long and I still speak it like a three-year-old. It's a great question and it's a legitimate question. And I'm totally always trying. I can definitely read like the Korean I read and like that's been so helpful actually just in learning so much and learning Hangul in that way and trying to, you know, see things, even like knowing what, you know, searching my name and in Korean on Google, uh, neighbor or whatever it might be, you know, those things are totally legitimate and I'm always trying. And I hope, especially in quarantine now where I'm trying to up, up, <laughs> up it, up my knowledge, I hope to share some good stuff, better stuff soon. Yeah, no, there's no need to feel ashamed at all. Um, I have been in K-pop in 10 years, I think Ash as well, and our Korean is uh, <laughs> not, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's not great, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah, it's a work in progress, so. <laughs> okay, no. so next question, favorite songs? Favorite songs, oh my gosh. Um, you know, I feel like that definitely dovetails with like some of the favorite artists. Um, but you know, I, I will say after schools, uh, because of you, Notemune, I think is the Korean name, probably butchered the pronunciation. But that was actually the song that got me like, to be like, whoa, this K-pop stuff is like beyond. Like, you know, this was granted 2009 or whatever, but it started as a ballad, it like, got a hip hop beat into it. Like there was belting, it had a pop section, a dance section, like there was whispering, there was auto tune, there was all these different elements of music that I loved. And, you know, um, I'm totally not doing rapid fire. I'm so sorry. I, I'm like explaining myself, I just realized. Um, but um, yeah, Nutemune by, by uh, After School is really a special one. Um, the Chaser by, by the Infinite is, is like a brilliant piece of music, I think in so many ways. Um, and I think um, there's this really great song by So Taiji and IU called uh, So, so I I'm totally messing up the name. I never totally, I don't wanna like totally say it wrong. So let me just look it up real quick. Song, 
Song Yak Dong, um, but it's this beautiful like synth pop song that I'm so still obsessed with to today. And um, yeah, I would say probably those are some of my favorites for sure. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the the rapid fire because I've been sort of asking questions around it as well too. So <laughs> we boy too by girls. I gotta say that song, I know like it's a controversial song in the general um, <laughs> K-pop, you know, whatever community, but I think it's a brilliant, incredible song. Forever. I got a boy? Yes, I Got a Boy yeah. by Girls' Generation. Forever absolutely, and ever. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all favorites of mine as well too. Uh, so favorite concert or tour? Ooh, oh my gosh. Favorite concert or tour, I mean, Oh, I I don't know, do like, I'm trying to think of like, I, I just feel like live music is always kind of like this high, right? Where like, uh, I, I just like, yeah, well, you know what? A moment I always go back to, um, you know, and I haven't like, I, I swear I'm, I'm, this is coming off the cuff, um, is, is I remember Big Bang show in 2012 at the, um, at a, in the, their New York, New Jersey show. And I remember I was actually there with a billboard editor um, who didn't really know K-pop a lot, um, but it was Big Bang singing Haru Haru and just the entire arena was singing this like song in Korean. And I remember having this moment like, oh my gosh, like, this is something, this is something beyond, like this is special. Like I've, ne I've never seen anything like this and like, I think there's something really special here in this very moment where like I'm seeing, you know, this arena, you know, and again, um, and, and you guys have talked about this too on the podcast, you know, the average K-pop fan is, is not what tends to be seen in the media, you know, especially what we're seeing, you know, these days, it's, um, you know, it's a diverse group and that's something I always try to emphasize. But seeing everyone sing, you know, know this song in particular, a big hit in Korea, um, was really, really special in that way. Um, and this might be a weird answer too, but I remember at KCON, I think it was 2008, um, oh, sorry, not 2008, 2018 rather, um, there was like this moment in a concert or outside or something where everyone was doing the Momoland um, great, or um, not the great, the boom, boom song. And everyone like knew this dance and knew this song and like knew like when to shout like great and thumbs up. And I was like, okay, this is like, this doesn't happen in other music genres. Like this is so special. And, and I think those are the moments rather, you know, every K-pop show has amazing, you know, visuals and spectacles, of course, like, let's be honest, like, but, um, it's tough to differentiate in those ways, but I think it's like when those moments kind of like, I have those aha moments where I'm like, oh, that's really special, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Uh, for the Big Bang show, was it like the ballad version of Halu Halu or is it like the upbeat original the up version of it? because like everyone was jumping everyone was like well you know what i think it was you know they might have actually done like a hybrid version of it because i remember like being like emotional at one point it felt like a ballad and then like and then i feel like we all got hyped up or something like i'd have to review the footage i guess like maybe i'm just making up this hybrid version in my head but um you know it was definitely definitely special in that way did you guys see that concert 
I did not. That would have been their live tour, right? I did not see them there. Um, I actually meant to go to like Made, but I didn't end up going. But I think Ash went to see them for that tour, and I've always regretted it. Oh. I'll regret it forever for the rest of my life. So <laughs> you'll see that. I will. I definitely will. Okay. So last question in this round, it would be. It's a hard one. Favorite okay. K-pop music video. Ooh. Um, yeah. Or wait, how about I phrase it this way? What K-pop music video do you feel best represents the genre? Or like um, would be a good representation? Or like maybe like a like you know how they have nations, girl group, nations, boy group kind of thing, or, or nation song? Like what do you think would be that for K-pop? Oh yeah. Super hard. What <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, I, I actually have like, I, I call it like a syllabus uh, that I go through when I'm like trying to get someone into K-pop. Um, so I have like kind of my go-tos that I that I tend to go to. And it's usually um, this stars touch my body. Yes. I just think it's such K-pop in its purest form. Um, Big Bang's Fantastic Baby is one of them as well. Um, and then if, they, if they've responded well to that, I tend to go to Girls' Generation, I got a boy, because I'm like, here's something a little, like, you know, more experimental, a little more a little more wild. Um, and then um, I think, you know, Dope by BTS is a good one as well. Um, Bad Boy by Red Velvet or like Ice Cream Cake is a good one too. Those are kind of like my core, core ones. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I feel like I've also used, I got a boy to get people into K-pop and just been like, look at it, isn't it cool? And usually people agree, so. And there's so but, much to take in there, you know, it's perfect. Three songs in one, it works so well. <laughs> and it's mesmerizing. The music video is like, just, an eye, it's eye candy for the whole time, so. Oh my God, I mean, I honestly, I'll never forget where I was when I first watched it. I mean, yes, it was New Year's Day and everything, but like, it was like, I'll never forget it. Like, I, I don't know, for some, like that felt like such a moment and, and, you know, really made me excited as a, as just like a fan and listener and, you know, of K-pop and of them, of course. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Awesome. So, um, I do. We did want to sort of get your feel on some, you know, more Hailu wave sort of K-pop themed um, questions. And this is something that we do usually discuss very often. I think last time we had Tamara on the show, Tamara Herman. Yeah. We also had her. Yes, we also discussed the separation of generations, like first gen, second gen, third gen, because it's such. I feel like everybody sort of has their own indicators of when you know, these generations start and how they organize it. So how would you sort of organize it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I always say, um, I always say, I think we need 0.5 versions um, or rather 0.5 generations um, because I think lots of times, and I think it's sort of happening now in a sense um, that, um, there's kind of like these in-between groups. Like there's sort of like a wave of in-between groups where like they kind of were part of the previous generation. They're kind of part of another generation. And I, I, I 
you know, some people want to say like we're on the sixth generation of K-pop or whatever. I, I don't think we need to be that extreme, but I think there's like a, there was definitely that first generation, right? Where like, those are kind of like the core veteran artists where, um, you know, things weren't, we, we know them so well. We know, we know Boa, we know Rain, we know, um, we, we know that era because they had very distinct like periods, right? Um, and a lot of those groups didn't necessarily last so long as much as like the second generation groups. I think because the second generation where we're talking about girls generation, Big Bang, Wonder Girls, uh, 21, what have you, um, you know, I think the international expansion definitely prolonged a lot of the lives of these groups that maybe wouldn't have exactly stood around as long as they would have. And I, I remember having these conversations very early on in like, you know, 2013. Um, you know, I remember, I think it was Shiny, an interview with Shiny. This was with their, uh, like miss one of the misconceptions albums interviews where I believe they they answered something where you know oh most groups would only last five years and we're in our fifth year and we feel like um things are going well and blah 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 and um you know because it always felt like year five was sort of like you know the potential peak and then the last two years if you signed a seven-year contract we're going to kind of be your you know on the downward and then you know things would probably disband at that point but you know, I felt like they were like hotter than ever. And I felt like things were going really well for them. And to me watching that, I was like, why do they always say that? Like they're only going to last five years or people, you know, why, why do so many Koreans think idol groups only last five years? And I kind of had to do a bit of back history and back research um, to kind of realize that, you know, groups like Shiny, Miss A, um, you know, even Girls' Day, AOA, um, New East at first, um, BAP, they were kind of stuck in this like interesting in between spaces of generations. And I thought that they kind of always got a bit overlooked, I felt like a bit before, like, cause you, it's kind of difficult to like place exactly where you want them. So I always say like, you know, there's gonna be a wave, like a 0.5 wave, you know? I, I think maybe we've officially moved into this fourth generation that everyone's talking about with, you know, the TXT and the ATs and um, um, what have you, but, you know, who is like the 3.5s? I'd probably say like ITZY and, um, you know, people in that, in that space. <laughs> Okay, that's good. I feel like that's our general consensus as well too. Oh, really? Because yeah, we do, um, sorry, Jimin, sorry, did you wanna chime in? Yeah, just really quickly. I mean, yeah, I would say that I do feel like a lot of people, maybe because I'm a little newer to K-pop, I do feel like a lot of people put Shiny in that more so 2.5, whereas I always thought of them as second gen and I don't know why now that I think about it, but it is just interesting <laughs> to hear everybody's perspective on like, especially a group like Shiny, just because of that, it's that transition, like Super Junior to EXO, like how do you place that, especially with how SM groups are. So it's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know, and as I said, like, I think 0.5s tend to be the more um, sort of conflicting sort of uh, topic because people either believe in them or they don't. And groups like Shiny, groups like Miss A, groups like FX, I feel are very representative of that 0.5 era where they weren't they weren't the forefront of like that sec that Hailu wave that we think of like with Girls Generation and with Big Bang and things like that. And like uh, Kara and Wonder Girls and stuff, but they're not, you know, 
the exos and the uh, like winners and icons and, and you know these types of groups either. And like twice, I think would probably be in that maybe. Yeah. So it is actually really interesting to, to sort of have a different perspective on that. I feel like a, as a community, we may come to sort of like a, an agreement one day, <laughs> we'll see. Um, though I have never heard of anybody say that we were on the sixth gen. I feel like that is maybe shooting it a bit too far. <laughs> well, I think, I think if you call those 0.5 generations their own yeah. generation, that's where it came from. I just only heard it once and I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, so um, how would you characterize each generation's contributions to the Hailu wave? Ooh. Um, definitely, I think, you know, that first generation was, you know, the core of, I would say, laying the groundwork. Um, I know everyone loves the pave the way uh, comparison, but, um, you know, laying that initial groundwork for international expansion. Uh, and I think Japan is a really important part of that, you know, looking at someone like Boa or who, who did so well in Japan and TVXQ in that way, or Rain, who, you know, did well in Japan and, and, and expanded beyond, you know, throughout Asia as well. Um, laying that initial groundwork for K-pop to go beyond Korea and, and find larger markets in that way. Um, and I think, I think that's really, really crucial to notice because then I think that laid the groundwork, of course, for that second generation to um, utilize not only that initial expansion, but then utilize the expansion of technology and using things, using platforms like YouTube and iTunes and digital music in that way to have their music reach out beyond, um, beyond one, um, beyond, what am I trying to say? Beyond just the, the traditional music market in that way. You know, gr uh, these groups didn't need to necessarily go like they did into Japan and, and physically be there to have their music kind of resonate or, or find an interest in that way exactly. Um, then moving ahead, you know, this third generation, I think, took what was done by these, you know, definite advances in technology and were able to kind of bring it to, to the next level. I think, um, you know, I always feel a, a bit bad, um, especially just cause I, you know, I, I don't really get nervous in interviews per se, but like, I remember when I met girls generation or, or rather the, um, the trio, like I was really, <laughs> I was really nervous, like meeting Taeyeon in person. And I, and I said something really embarrassing to her, like, cause I knew her favorite, I knew she liked Reese's peanut butter cups and like I sh told her where she could get Reese's peanut butter cups as if she didn't have those in Korea. Like, I, I don't know why, but like it was things like that where like, I think these people are such stars and like such humongous, you know, and, and they are, you know, no doubt. But then it was almost like, um, um, it was almost like I needed, or it was almost like, it felt like they got a bit of, a bit of like the shorter end of the stick, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, then the third generation were able to kind of, of course, you know, move along, you know, on that, you know, build upon what had been built about that and, and really break through the wall um, in just a larger way than ever. Okay. As a side <laughs> note, when you interviewed Tati So, right? Was that yeah. during the Holler era or the Twinkle era? That was right before the holler era. Oh, oh so that, were you on the show? 
Because I do I think was on the show. show. Okay, I watched the show when it aired. Oh, like no, the reality show that they were. Yes. Okay. Oh, that was my first time ever doing anything like that. So I was really like nervous and really like freaked out. And you know, it was cool. Like Tiffany like couldn't have been warmer and nicer. Um, but then at the end, I think I was just such a dork when I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh Tayana, I know you like Reese's me, you know, and she's not understanding what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what I was doing. Luckily I wasn't on camera. Um, but you know, I was really of course, thankful and, and honored that they even asked me to be part of it. So, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so in conjunction with that, because you were talking about, you know, the um, sort of contributions and, and what helped with the Hailu Wave, you know, in Japan when it expanded outside of Korea and just like internationally, um, what would you then consider sort of milestones? Like this, mm -hmm. this moment was like really important to set the stage for these things. Um, in, in America or well, any, anywhere, like, um, it could be further expansion into Japan. Um, it could be even like first international tour kind of thing. Like, what would you consider mm. a milestone? I mean, I always really, really do think it was quite amazing. The BTS ex award acceptance at, uh, for top social artists at the 2017 Billboard Music Awards when not only, you know, did they decide to air the, um, the acceptance, um, but also let the guys, um, you know, they spoke in English and Korean. And I thought that was really, really special. I also think back to, um, you know, that actually helps me remember when Big Bang won the um, the MTV EMA Award um, for Best Worldwide Act, I believe it was. And they beat out Britney Spears, who was representing America in that way. And I thought that was so huge as well, too. And they, again, also got to, you know, be, you know, accept that award on stage. And I think when you kind of see, you know, award shows are award shows. They are what they are. Um, I'm not always... I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about award shows, but I think it's when you do see that visibility, that representation and kind of can see like them winning above other artists that you know and recognize, you know, it's not just a siloed category. It is a general category in that way. Seeing BTS beat out, um, you know, the Justin Bieber's and the Selena Gomez and whatnot um, and Big Bang beating up Britney Spears and Justin Bieber, like, that's pretty significant. And, and that's pretty significant to people who don't even know K-pop, you know what I mean? Because um, they consider them as this kind of unbeatable top star artist. And when you kind of see that, that change, that kind of puts, you know, puts, puts a lot of people I think on, on high alert a bit. So I feel like those have been really significant in that way for sure. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I think I always think back to that first uh, YouTube video word for I Got a Boy uh, oh. that Tiffany accepted, I think. Um, and like that was like the, I think their first time that they had actually just given out that award. And the fact that it went to a K pop group, you know, I mean, as big as Girls' Generation is and was, like most people over here did not know who they were. So. Right. And you know what? My only gripe about that was that, like, I really wish, like, the whole group could have gone and, like, yes. you know, really showed, like, what, because, you know, I, I just think, like, 
when you're given that big platform, right? Like Lady Gaga was there, MIA was there. I, I don't, I forget who else was there, but like, you know, you see girls generate and you know, you, you see one person accept the award and it's like, is she, is she girls generation is what, you know, where, where are girls, where are the girls, you know, it's, <laughs> it, I, I thought it was a bit, luckily the media did, you know, they were very, I, I remember I spoke to like Washington, um, not uh, Wall Street Journal about that moment. And, you know, there was definitely a lot of recognition after it. But, you know, I, I, I just always think too, you know, utilizing those platforms too are important as well for the artists. And, you know, I thought particularly Big Bang and, you know, BTS did really great jobs in that way. Not to diminish Girls' Generation's win or anything like that, but I remember being like, oh man, really wish the whole group could have been there. Yeah, especially since uh, Tiffany's not the only English speaker in the group. It would have... Right. Sort of beneficial, you know? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> how would you characterize the role of international fans in the spread of K-pop? Hmm. Um, you know, definitely I, I think it's it's everything. I mean, um in, in that international spread, you know, I think um I think the only reason I, I'm I'm even like have been so lucky to have the, this part of my career or whatever it has been thanks to the good responses and the good reactions and you know the supportive and passionate reactions from international fans um because you know i think a big concern too and and this is still something that i'm educating people on to today and i've had you know these closed-minded editors and bosses and whatnots um just be like oh like but if we're writing about K-pop, like we don't want all our traffic to be from Korea though. And I'm like, why do you think, like, do you really think like these groups are getting like, you know, 1 billion views because of only people from Korea are listening to it? Like, I don't know what I need to do to convince you that like, this is something beyond just like one country, one group of people. Um, and I, and, and, you know, I do think too, you know, on that other hand too, on the po more positive hand, um, it's been thanks to the fact that they are engaged they are um they are passionate they they show up you know they they share articles that they like they you know and they, and they're not they're not dumb like they're they're not i always really try to give a lot of credit to i mean i always did um <laughs> for a long time you know wanting to give credit to k-pop fans who took this time to um learn about a different culture and learn about a different world beyond theirs beyond what they know um i don't know if necessarily the act of being a k-pop fan is is you know such uh uh something so you know righteous and political or whatnot but i do think just that open-mindedness and being open to another culture and another pop form of pop music is really special. So I always try to, you know, give those props to just the people who are open-minded enough to look beyond something. You know, Korea itself is quite a small country. The music industry is now one of the biggest, but when we're talking about these initial expansions, it was like very low, like maybe top 30 at best. And, you know, it's grown to be one of the top 10 biggest markets, but that didn't happen from just Korea getting bigger, you know, um, it happened because of the international expansion. And that's all thanks to the international fans, I think. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Especially now that you're seeing um, like regular, 
US promotions of a single the way you'd see them on like NBC and in Korea. It's mm. it's not something that I would have, I could have even imagined even like five years ago. Mm. Um, just just yeah. them being on GMA in the morning, you know, um, and, and debuting a song at the MTV Video Awards, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it's insane how quickly I feel um, the international presence of K-pop has become, you know, over time. Exactly. And, you know, I, I always kind of, I, I think there's a lot of parallels to draw from, especially the Latin music community too. And, yes. You know, when I think about it a lot, too, I've, I've thought about it, especially this week, just with this new BTS single. Um, and, you know, when Shakira, humongous sensation, you know, in, in Latin America, um, before she kind of made her crossover to America, same with Ricky Martin and um, what have you, but they did sing in English and they they did make their way over here in a very specific, you know, they had record labels behind them. They, they were singing in English, new singles in English. Um, the movement with K-pop did happen, not because of placing them, you know, via English singles and seeing how it could expand in America. It started over there and then it expanded over here. So it's very cool to see how the results happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause I mean, when you think about Wonder Girls and Nobody, all of the different language versions came after. It was the Korean version yeah. that became the viral hit. Totally, exactly. So yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so our, I guess our last little question for this question segment is anything big coming down the pipeline? You know, articles, interviews, books. Uh, it's, it seems like there's no limits what you can do um, in the sort of like the journalistic uh, community at this point and K-pop is always expanding. So I'm sure that there's so much that you want to do. Ooh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I definitely want to do a lot. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we were talking a bit about it, right. This like 10 year anniversary of like <laughs> my K-pop fandom or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, you know, it's, it's, I think COVID kind of put a bit of delay on things, but you know, as it's planned to happen, um, you know, kind of, it's gonna be like a little uh, a biography, you know, a, a bit of a look at through this international lens of, of K-pop, um, you know, through my international viewpoint of just 10 years of K-pop with Jeff, for lack of a better word. I don't have a title yet, but the book should be coming out first in Korea um, at the end of the year, uh, before the end of the year rather, which I'm really, hopefully excited about and hopefully it's all going to go well and everything but i i hope it's going to be like a special a special um kind of book in that way and then it's going to be released elsewhere is the plan but um you know i'm always trying to push for the interviews that are going to change things and and make more of an impact um you know i'm not really interested in just regurgitating the same pr statements that um, people are putting out there um I just want to shake up things, you know, I, I probably the labels are starting to get a bit annoyed with me these days, but you know, I, I'm not really one to accept when they tell me I can't ask about certain things or, you know, um, you know, delete that, you know, or I'm like, no, you know, these people are humans, um, you know, let them express themselves as humans. Um, I want to just keep pushing that, um, and I want to just, yeah, keep expanding to where this world can go, not just keep doing the same things. I think, um, you know, 
quarantine has definitely forced a lot of us to be creative. And I, I definitely needed a moment to, uh, I think, um, you know, decompose a bit and decompress and, and re kind of think where, what all this looks like without having artists coming here, you know, and whatnot. But I think you're going to see some cool things too, maybe on new platforms like Twitch and stuff like that. I think, um, I think, you know, everyone's, everyone's watching K-pop these days and every, and, you know, and when I say everyone, I mean like these big companies and these big people who they want to do it or rather I would hope they want to do it right. They want to give it the right spotlight. And I think um, hopefully I can be a good conduit in that way and just kind of, you know, educate everyone, make everyone happy and connect people in different ways. Um, whether that's something like Twitch or streaming services, which I'm starting to do more stuff in as well, um, while still, you know, putting my heart where it is in, in, in the writing and, and, you know, the music itself. <laughs> okay, well, congratulations on the book. Definitely, we're going to keep ourselves updated on that so we can also promote it on our social media. Um, very excited to see because you have interviewed so many top, especially second gen, which is kind of my thing. <laughs> um, like, all the, all the juicy stories that uh you know all the behind the scenes that's what i want to i want to that's what i really want to get at in the book is like being like this is what you guys weren't seeing when like you know what went into like this public you know publishing this article and here's the awkward thing that like the artist relations person said to cl like at the studio you know like i want to i really want to talk about that and I don't think there's been a chance to really get into that and share those, like what was, what the progress was happening and like why I was like running with like a Korean camera crew, you know, through the Los Angeles Staples Center, you know, or, or things like that, just to show like, this is what everyone was going through and, you know, try to bring that perspective in that way too, you know, from, from the media perspective. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, we're like, so. <laughs> we definitely like that. So, I mean, we're really, I mean, that's something we're definitely, I mean, at least, you know, speaking for me, definitely really excited to seeing and just congratulations on, you know, having a project like that down the pipe. That's really amazing. Thank you. I mean, yeah, no, thank you for saying that. Um, Yeah, it's just, I, I think it's important. I think, um, you know, I, I want to, I, I want to tell a good story, of course, too. But I also just want to, you know, help people understand that, like, this wasn't, it, it wasn't just like always like they were on YouTube and, you know, they were popular and then everyone was just so nice to them. Like there was a lot of, you know, unfortunate shit that went down and, you know, like a lot of awkwardness and a lot of like trying to get, you know, different perspectives on board. And I just, I, I think it's, you know, it's time to talk about that. And, and I think, um, and I think, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hopefully I can do it in a way that, you know, will lead to greater progress and greater open-mindedness in that way. Um, that's my hope. <laughs> okay. We're definitely looking forward to it. Yay. Thank yes. you. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into the episode. We have a couple different topics to talk about today. Um, Actually, as of the time we're recording this, this is 
the day BTS released their new song, Dynamite. Um, and so we're going to just watch that kind of go out of order a little bit here because we want to get into this. There, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I don't know about you guys, but I know that on the Internet, there's a lot of thoughts and I want to go ahead and get into it. All right. First, overall reactions. Let's start with our special guest. Jeff, do you have any oh. like your initial impression? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I've, I've actually had the song for a bit um, and I just, you know, it just feels so good. Like, I don't know, like automatically, like that chorus was in my head, you know, that hook was in my head. I think it just feels like, a, it just feels good. It feels great energy um, in that way. And I think the music video is, is very effective and very fun in that way. I love the colors. They genuinely look like they're having a fun time, especially that last couple minute or that last minute or so. I just love all the little individual solo scenes of the dancing and everything. And yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of a lot of the visuals. Like I never kind of would have considered a lot of these outfits, um, but seeing them and the guys in them, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I could, you know, maybe one day I would do a, a vest, a matching vest and pants <laughs> situation. I'm like, I won't look as good as V, but hey, you know, I'll try. <laughs> I know you said uh, earlier that uh, reminded you to comment about the room JK, Jungkook is in at the beginning. Oh, yes, right, yeah. Um, oh, well, you know, this is just like a little thing, but like, I, I love it as like kind of a pop culture nerd or whatever, but um, if you look it up, um, Michael Jackson's parents have a, you know, in their childhood home or whatever, have this like sort of little shrine to Michael and it and it's, looks just like that room. It has like the slanted wall or slanted ceiling sort of thing with like posters of him all over. And, um, you know, just a lot of like kind of pop culture people kind of wondered if that was an homage to that um, Michael Jackson home. Um, sort of thing and, and I just love that you know especially just you know the moves and, and just especially the way Jungkook uh, was you know I think that first del vocal delivery he does you know it's just it was just really well done I thought especially if there's kind of that you know deeper element in that way. <laughs> yeah that would be that would be awesome if there was a connection there I love Misa Michael so I, I definitely have to look that up to see the connection there. Um, what are, any other thoughts? Nat, Ash, what do you guys think about Dynamite? <laughs> Ash, how did you like Dynamite? <laughs> I was surprised by how retro it was. I mean, I, you know, I do, do not go back with BTS, you know, I didn't really start paying attention to them until like recently. So the only reason I know of their past work is because of like Jimin and people like in Jay that like listen to them back when they were more into the hip hop stuff. So it's kind of interesting to see that they're doing something so like lighthearted and definitely so mm -hmm. different now. And especially since it kind of makes me just because I love them so much, draw kind of comparisons to like Wonder Girls and like some of the other K-pop groups that like, there's quite a lot of K-pop groups that like to do the like retro thing. So um, it's just kind of, I, I just find it interesting that they kind of went in that direction, but I think it fits them definitely. I mean, they've grown into that kind of pop space, I think, where they can handle that type of thing now. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you can kind of see that trend of them 
uh, of the more like the music that is kind of more similar to this style than I would say like the very, very beginning. Um, you can see, I feel like that transition kind of happened around like Love Yourself Her. So you can kind of see that, uh, that the growth in that direction. So um, it is interesting to, to see and um, wondering where else they'll go from here. Yeah. I do agree with Ash about like the retro feel because mm. like now hearing the story about like MJ's bedroom and and like the outfits themselves are really like kind of reminds me of Jackson 5 in a way then too, right? Like if that's what they're trying to pull as a reference into the MV, uh, you know, with like the like 70s, I think like outfits that kind of remind me of what they used to wear there and like the 70s show obviously as well too um being like a like more fresh in my brain in terms of like the styling and uh yeah and i feel like this year especially with k-pop it's been kind of all of my songs have been like very retro filled like um mm. when we disco um drum drum by um Pink oh. and para ping pong from um sunmi so like you know, you have um, you have like the synth sort of feel with A Pink. You have obviously the disco with JYP and Sunmi, and then Sunmi did City Pop, one of my favorite sort of genres. But it's really sort of reminiscent of like sort of like a post kind of disco era, in, or like yeah, post sort of disco era in Japan as well too. And how like all of the best songs sort of sort of pull from the disco era or like a retro feel. Uh, and I think it's kind of interesting um, to see that trend this year, uh, especially like when you sort of juxtapose, juxtapose position it against like, you know, Blackpink and how you like that, which is so That modern. is so far <laughs> Exactly, right? <laughs> and I, there are, I said, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, yeah, so I, far, but it shows the diversity of K-pop, right? And like how, like, no, go on, go on. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, it just it just shows, like as I said, it shows a diversity of K-pop, which is something that we're allowing, like in a lot of ways now, as as the fan base has grown and has, and you know, you have more fans, you have different tastes, and you know, maybe back in the day, you had like Girl Crush, and you had like uh, a sexy group, and you had like uh, a fierce group. You know, you had like sort of like niches, whereas now anybody can sort of make whatever music they want to make because there's there's so many fans that somebody's going to love what you're doing and they're going to support it and they're going to be there for you right uh and in terms of the video itself like the video itself is it's it's great to look at i mean like the pastel colors kind of reminds me of boy with love as well too um and like the energy of that song and i actually really did like boy with love um the production on this is fantastic that is like hands down like i mean you know me i like Old music so <laughs> uh, I I love the production on the songs as well and I loved like Jungkook's room I mean it actually when I first saw it it reminded me of like every teen movie I'd ever watched before in my life because you know the girls in these rooms had like posters on their wall and you know they had like their computer across from their bed and they're always dancing in their rooms and you know like it's it kind of just reminded me of like a young sort of energy. I think like most, all, I think all the videos sort of gave me the young energy, uh, especially like with Sugar at the basketball court and um, you know, like in the ice cream parlor, like it, it all like gave me kind of retro Americana, you know, um, you know, 
a current modern boy group sort of like pulling on maybe like the memories of the elders, you know, like a basketball scene is very reminiscent of we got it going on and I want you back. So it's very necessary <laughs> in a boy group. Um, when I first saw the basketball scene, I immediately thought Sugar likes basketball. <laughs> and maybe, oh, really? Yeah, maybe that's the connection. I, I don't know why, but that was like my first thought. Like we're going with a nostalgic kind of feeling. Maybe these things are nostalgic for them. Drinking milk in your bedroom, those sorts of things. I don't know. I okay. that way. Probably completely wrong. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know what? I, the music video just dropped. I feel like everybody's gonna have like a theory on what, what exactly they were trying to do, what exactly um, you know they're trying to sort of give us as a visual connection to the song. Uh, and so I think I think really one of the take takeaways that I took from it, like on a last note, is there wasn't enough gin singing in the song, but that was you know just something I noticed. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Jimin? Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys, it seems like everything you guys said is an amalgamation of my thoughts. So um, I did like the song, which <laughs> um, I think there's, a, you know, different opinions. Um, I like the song. I think um, production wise, it is it is one of the better things that I've heard this year for sure, production-wise. I really love the music on that song. Um, and yeah, I, I'd actually be interested to see, uh, I don't know why, but my brain kept thinking, what if like a certain artist covered this? I'm not gonna say the artist, but it's an American artist. I thought it would be super cool, but um, I want BTS to get their shine, so I won't say that artist's name. But um, yeah, I, I like the song. But uh, with that being said, um, that's our, our thoughts on BTS's Dynamite. Um, yeah, it's it's sure. actually. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna say that it's probably gonna get about a hundred million views in the first oh, twenty four yeah. hours. Uh, yeah. That looks like what their goal is at this moment. So, <laughs> well, like they were, the initial goal, I believe, was to break Blackpink's record. Now there's like there's always goals with fandoms, like always. So it's definitely gonna um, get way more streams. Speaking of streams, though, there are lots and lots of artists coming back or who have come back, um, or yeah, who have come back, <laughs> um, uh, including BTS. But um, Super Junior's got to come back, Red Velvet. We got Hanna Card, which Hanna, I saw a teaser for her come back the other day. Um, very interesting. Card, Day Six, super excited about that. CLC, and then of course we've got the new Blackpink and Selena Gomez. So, uh, are there any black? Are there any comebacks um, that you guys are excited about? Any of these, or maybe ones that I didn't mention? I'm um, still waiting for Blackpink and Selena Gomez. <laughs> yeah, that's going to sound like next week. Uh, Super Junior D and E is going to be dropping something. Uh, sorry, will it be Latin pop? You know, they 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 just have not gone back to it. I don't understand. They were in their bag with the Latin pop era. Like everything was so good. And Dong Hye had that long hair and he was just looking so fine. I don't know. I just I'm very upset that they haven't returned to it. <laughs> Super genius. <laughs> So um, yeah, on on Dange's next post, I'm just gonna ask for some Latin pop and see if he responds. We'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for Huna. Um, yeah, because this will be her second release through Size New Company, and it looks like a return to what you know 
the the music that we kind of know her for. So uh, I'm kind of excited for that. CLC looks like it's going to be a legit return. Uh, there's the Boa sort of project that's going on right now, which is really exciting for her 20th anniversary. And uh, Red Velvet just released a cover today. Gallant did a cover the other day as well, which was really, really good. I, I He's one of those people who's just, you know, loves making music with Korean artists and Korean companies. Oh, yeah. uh, I didn't, uh, Gallant was also on that um, that show that Taemin did a couple of years ago. I forgot what the show was called. Uh, Why Not the Dancer, he's on that show. And he like was really into K-pop and like seemed to have like a real big interest in co collaborating with some artists. So I'm not really shocked to see him in that space at all. Yeah, he yeah. did that song with Eric Nam, right? Yes, and Tablo. It's gave yes. me in. One of the I love that song. So yeah, I'm actually really like excited to see. Um, like I feel like there were a lot of solid releases, but they were a bit sparse due to COVID-19, which is totally understandable. Uh, and now with the recent outbreaks in Korea, I don't know how that's going to affect what's supposed to be coming. Uh, but yeah, this year has been um, just interesting all around. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited though. I, I feel like if they're already teasing it, it's already been filmed. So at least it'll drop. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, what about you? Are you excited about any comebacks? Um, I think you guys hit on a lot of the big ones. Yeah, like definitely want to see Card do well and just kind of get hopefully some shine. Um, you know, Hannah, I think is going to be so cool, uh, especially because I think there's a lot of good energy at that company right now with, with um, I, I feel like, I don't know, I think Sai is really coming through with the releases lately. Uh, the Blackpink Selena Gomez is, is definitely going to be big. I, I'm dying to hear it. I really want to hear it. And it's, I think it's today we found out, right, that um, that actually Teddy is not involved with it, which is, <gasps> I think, <laughs> is, that, is that a good shock, a bad gasp? <laughs> uh, okay, so... Teddy has worked on a lot of my favorite songs, but I always felt that he, uh, what the magic and fire he had with 21, I don't think it translated as well to Blackpink. Uh, so this would be actually very interesting to see. Was one of our three favorite songs on the Made album, the Teddy, um, co-written with Teddy? No. Uh, so just as a pretext, we did an album review on Made the other day. Uh, oh. And that had been like the first time I think Jimin had listened to it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, If You was a GD song. So, and that was our favorite song. So. <laughs> so, okay, so Teddy's not involved with If You. No. Oh, sad. But there is like, they did work with like, um, Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande actually co-wrote it. They they work with like her producer did Seven Rings. Like I'm like, I'm always just, you know, I mean, I'm always a fan of artists expanding and experimenting. So um, yeah, like I, I'm just excited for like a fresh potential take on, on the Blackpink sound, you know? I think that's what gets me probably most excited. And I also, I, I like Selena Gomez, I don't know. I think she's a great pop star on record. Um, I don't know if they're gonna be performing anything soon, but we'll see. 
I don't know why it's so controversial with a lot of people that, like, I think she has, Selena Gomez has a lot of really good songs. And I really, one of my favorite songs by her is Lose You To Love Me. Like, I really, I feel like she's been making a lot of bangers lately. <laughs> and people are on her. Yeah, no, I, Hands To Myself is a great pop song. Oh, like, incredible pop song. I love incredible. I think it's, um, and I think too there, especially with the, um, uh, lose you to love me song that I, I remember hearing that I'm like I bet Korea is going to be into that and I think we've seen a couple idols like do covers of it and things like that um, and like I, I get the affinity I, I do personally feel like Ariana would have been a bit more ex maybe more exciting or maybe a, there would have been a bit more affinity there between our uh, Blackpink and uh, Ariana Grande just because there's a bit of history there they've met they send each other gifts whatnot but I'm still excited. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they're um, definitely gonna have an international hit with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, this week is just so, I mean, sorry, this month is just so crazy with like, last week was Super M, the and Wanho, the week before was um, Treasure, um, you know, and these are all coming out on Fridays. Now we have BTS and then next week is Blackpink. I'm just like, dang guys, like, no one's messing around in August, and this is like gonna really see what's gonna happen. But I'm also personally excited for um, the boys to come back. Oh, um, yeah. oh. I really think um, that's September 7th, and I think this is like a potential moment for them, especially after they have a lot of, I think, good energy going around them, and especially after Road to Kingdom and whatnot. I'm curious. Um, and Wanho too, with his full-fledged comeback, I'm really excited to see him back on TV. And um, the single that I got to hear uh, is really, I think it's back to him as like, you know, he had a really good battle that he put out, but I think this song is just really representative of him as, a, as the artist I've always known. And there's some that haven't been announced yet, but I think September is gonna be a good month as well. So please look forward to it. <laughs> Now, now I'm like in my bag trying to figure out like what could it be. I'm like super excited now. So the only thing I want to hear going forward is Big Bang is dropping an album. You guys already know if it's not shiny, I'm not here for it. <laughs> shiny, but of course. There was a hint that they might be dropping. Something. I know. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I'm like literally no. anticipation. I tried to get some tea about that in a recent like meeting with YG. And I mean, they kind of told me what they, what I thought they're, you know, they're like, well, Coachella was kind of, you know, the peg for that and things kind of got, but I, I know their A and R is working hard for them and I know they're, they're working. So stay tuned. Yay. Uh, speaking of Big Bang, uh, Jimin, the next topic. Uh, Ash, speaking of Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, like we said, we recently did an album review of Big Bang's Made, and it just happened to kind of fall on their anniversary. And of course, as we mentioned, Boa's upcoming anniversary um, has been uh, kind of being celebrated by uh, different SM artists performing her past singles. And so, you know, we've kind of have two industry, you know, 
icons, you know, that have been celebrating their anniversaries like this past month and, um, you know, what are kind of our favorite, you know, just to kind of think in general, like, what are our favorite things about Big Bang or BOA? My favorite thing about Boa is that that okay, it's not my favorite thing about Boa, but it is my favorite like Boa related thing. And it's when her and Taman did that performance together back when like Taman had like two lines in every shiny song. <laughs> That's my thing. And my favorite Big Beat Bang thing is if you well <laughs> probably when Day Song was singing his Nat could probably explain it better. No, uh, just Daesung tends to get very passionate in his performances. And there was one particular performance that Jimin always goes back to. <laughs> he was like, he was singing it like he was going through it, like the whole time. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a loser, right? I think yeah, it's a loser. Yeah. From one of the Indie, end of the year award shows, but I can never find it on YouTube anymore. It could have been uh, copyright, copyright law. Probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, with Boa, it's actually really interesting because I remember watching the Eat You Up video on Much Music. I think we talked about it in when we did the uh, Boa live um, album review or her best of sort of review. And like not even knowing that she was K-pop <laughs> and just seeing her perform and being like, oh, this girl is like, she she's really got it. She's like, right. me, like, you know, uh, Christina and Brittany, you know, and, but you know, uh, she's, she's got this, this special spark, I think too, that kind of reminded me of like Janet and Michael too. And I was like, it really actually, it always stuck with me, like watching that music video and just seeing her there. And then to find out that she's already like the queen of, you know, K-pop in Japan and in and, and Korea, and just being like, oh, okay. Um, things happen, like, like, it's just so crazy. Like you see somebody on TV, like in Canada and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, I hope, I wish the best for her. And then you turn around and you're like, oh, she's already at the top of all the charts, okay? <laughs> she's, she's like leading the charge here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like Boa obviously is an inspiration to everybody. I mean, Tiffany from uh, Girls' Generation always talks about like how seeing Boa motivated her, you know, to just move to Korea, not even speaking Korean, and and sort of following her dreams. And you know, the we can't talk about the Hailu Wave without talking about Boa and what she did for Korean pop in in Japan, obviously. And I would say like Valenti, I think. Me and Ash, we kind of like when we did that boa review, we were like, "This is this is like that boa song." I mean, only one, yeah, it's a great song. Uh, like, there's so many boa songs that were so fantastic. Like, "Camel for Me" is like one of my favorite songs from her too. But Valenti is just so special in so many ways. I don't know, it's just a fantastic song. Uh, and I mean, Big Bang. <laughs> I'm into K-pop because of Big Bang. So I I don't think I've loved any group uh, more than I've loved <laughs> Big Bang. And I listen to their music all the time. I'm trying to get my cousin's kid into K-pop through Big Bang right now, and it's working very well. I'm very successful, I'm very happy about it. Uh, yeah. And, sorry? Oh, I just was cheering you on with a yes. yeah. 
Yes, I'm, I'm working on it. She likes Blackpink and she likes Big Bang. Those are her two groups right now. So we'll see. I'm, I'm going to try Shiny on Mondays, Jimin. So we're going to see how that goes, OK? Wait, uh, you're going to try Shiny on Mondays? Yeah, because she's she she. Oh, you're trying to, OK. But yeah, so Big Bang, I mean, as I said, like, I am a K-pop fan because of Big Bang. So I obviously their 14th anniversary was like a huge, huge deal. And it was the day after Gigi's birthday. Uh, so Xiaomang had his birthday and it, then it's like Big Bang Day. And it was just, you know, great to see the fans celebrating it. And, you know, we're all hoping for a new album. And I would say my favorite song from Big Bang Ah, I actually really like Monster. I feel like I, that is probably the song and the music video I watch the most. I don't know. I really like GD and Top's serve verses where they go back and forth because their Me voices too. contrast so well in that song. And so that's like one of those the songs that I always sort of go back to. But Tell Me Goodbye was my favorite, was my first Big Bang video, like the first one that I ever watched. And I just like watched it all day. Like <laughs> I was like, what is this crack? And how can you get more of it? And yeah, so, uh, you know, congrats to all the VIPs and, and to Big Bang, and we can't wait to see your return. Yay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, do you have um, anything to say? Yeah. yeah I think um, with Boa, I think, um, you know, exactly what you guys were saying too, you know, seeing her kind of make this whatever cross, initial crossover moment, and not know that, or, or rather be aware eventually that like, oh, she's huge beyond like, you know, whatever we, we know here. Like she's humongous over there and like a Britney character, Britney Christina character in that way too. Um, so then I remember, you know, after that English album, I, I believe the first comeback of hers that I was kind of aware of was um, the Hurricane Venus era. Mm. And I was thinking like, oh dang like this is so cool like i don't know if hurricane venus exactly aged well like as a song period um but i still like think about like that impact and being like oh dang like this is huge like this girl is next level like this is crazy like and you know and this was like just as i was soaking up and absorbing so much in like k-pop in that way and being like oh this is legend legendary you know like i cannot like this is huge and like so i always think of like hurricane venus and like this kind of like incredible like epic proportions ways um but you know i really do like and i wish it actually got a bit more love too but um the album, what was it called? Oh, the Kiss My Lips album. Yeah. I think, is a great, great, great album. I think that came out, I think it was 2015. Um, and she wrote, I think on like every track, it was like basically her and the underdogs and SM was really into the underdogs for a while um, as producers. They did, you know, they had done stuff like a lot of Chris Brown and a lot of, you know, but then they kind of made their um, K-pop moment happen with like Overdose with EXO and Mr. Mister with Girls' Generation. But they did like almost nearly this whole album with her and Boa like I think wrote and produced on like nearly every track as well. And it is just like a great, 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 in my opinion, like body of work, like, like an album that just sounds good. It really like 
fits all together. I don't know. I'm really a fan of that album. And I know it's certainly not her most celebrated work or her, you know, most well-known work, but I always think like, I'm like, this is a like, this is an artist at this point of her career who like knows what her sound is, knows what she can do, can create a concept album in this way. And like really did a great job with it. I think it's a brilliant album. One of my favorites like of that year for sure. Um, and then when we go to Big Bang, I mean, we talked about it earlier in the episode, but um, definitely, you know, that live moment with Haru Haru, I always go back to. But I remember thinking like the, um, the, um, the Alive album, um, maybe, or maybe it was technically Alive again, but um, Tonight, like a song like Tonight was just like, so I think like cool and like, really cool harmonies and really cool, like, you know, very current and very much, you know, forward thinking in that way when it came out in 2012, but also just like, just felt like really cool and something unique, like a different spin on most pop music that I was hearing. So I, I love Tonight, I love Hands Up. Um, I love um, I love those kind of like tracks um, in those ways and it's, you know, Fantastic Baby, Bad Boy, you know, just like, such a great collection of songs that I think um, were totally like ahead of their time, but also like right there in that moment to like, and I think that, you know, we talked about it a bit too. I think it's a bit of a, of a shame that, you know, if Big Bang had the platform that K-pop had today, um, I feel like those songs would have just smashed everyone over the head and, you know, get me so excited as, as a listener that I did back then too. And so, you know, Big Bang—they're doing great. They're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're doing fine. You know, financially, I'm sure. But I always think about, you know, oh, what what could have been? You know, if like they had that that same platform that K-pop has today. Maybe it'll happen one day. I don't know. <laughs> Any other thoughts? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't want to start talking about Big Bang because I won't stop. So yeah, let's go to the next topic. <laughs> All right, well, Crystal, formerly of FX, uh, her exclusive contract with SM is expiring soon. Uh, a report from Ilgen Sports uh, is citing an industry source that says that FX's Crystal was leaving SM Entertainment and is preparing to begin a ch new chapter in her life in a new place. Um, SM says that they are having discussions with Crystal about renewing the contract. Um, fans are saying that this is what FX is like, the first group that all left SM. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, there was some weird tweet about how, like, FX was the first group, like, full group to leave SME, like, you know, Shinwa and, you know, all these There's other really no research. <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of new fans um, are not completely informed on a lot of things, and they they kind of just go by what they think is the truth. Um, I mean, education in, is sort of something that kind of comes about. K-pop, it can be kind of difficult, you know, with language barriers and stuff, too, sometimes. So, I don't know, maybe they were just misinformed, but I think they, they understand now that they were incorrect, so... Yeah, well, I, and I think that that same tweet, right? Like, I think the person, like, who, like, kind of, like, got the viral response to it 
literally went to just Wikipedia and screenshotted like former artists <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so you know, it's not that I it, it very kind of you to give them the um, the benefit of the doubt. Also, <laughs> <But laughs> I'm just like Wiki is you know is available. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not surprised. Actually, I was surprised when they had re-signed their contracts at a shorter term and Crystal had re-signed because after the whole Jessica thing, uh, she was pretty much checked out, like it seems musically. Um, she definitely didn't do any um, SM Town endings after that. And I mean, it, the Young Sisters are very tight. So I was kind of surprised that she had re-signed then. But now that FX is completely dead, RIP, uh, it's not a surprise that she would probably want to focus more on acting and modeling and maybe even releasing music that she wants to release. Because she is very, like, from what I've seen, she does tend to have a very, like, R&B um, sort of soul kind of, like, that's her taste in music. Uh, and maybe she just didn't feel like she had the opportunity to do it at SME. So a, a different agency would probably be best, or maybe even having her own agency. I feel like now in today's era of K-pop, anybody can start their own agency and manage themselves and, and, you know, and sort of do what they want as long as they have the fans who are gonna support it. So it's really a good time for her to do that if she wants to spread her wings and, you know, fly like the baby Jung that she is. So um, <laughs> I'm very excited. Shout out to Fabulous for that song with Jessica. Yes, and everybody, as I have constantly been saying, buy Shine. I have already pre-ordered. I'm very excited to read it when it comes out the end of September. So, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm kind of sad about FX. I did. I was really rooting for them. I thought they had. They're just such an experiment experimental group, and like everything they did was so cool. It just like didn't matter what the the concept was they always just made it seem so effortless like you know i could be you know skateboarding at the park i could be making some pancakes or i could be doing this music video it you know it you know the energy was the same they were just so cool <laughs> and it's it's kind of sad that they're not you know able to make music together anymore and sort of and, and especially with their last album sold really well. And I mean, it, it had a really good um, sort of feedback. So it's kind of sad that they're just not there anymore. And the girls are sort of just out there sort of hustling um, outside of like Victoria, who's, you know, making so much money in China and Victor and uh, Crystal, who's doing pretty well for herself. This might seem kind of random, but didn't um, SM literally just give FX a light, a light stick? Near the end of the career. And they I only had the one tour. Yeah, and they only had the one tour um, in in Japan actually, and that was also like near the end of their career. And they only they gave them like a fandom name near the end of their career, right? Oh, like, yeah. Color. Yeah. Um, and it actually reminds me a bit. We talked about um. I, I meant to mention I'm really looking forward to CLC as well, but CLC like they just got like their colors as well. Like, and, and I'm like yo where have you been like it's been five years and like this is kind of a make or break album for them i'm always like kind of curious even like business wise like is it just like to like kind of like sweep everything up and like you know and make sure like to make them not look like the bad guy in the end like i'm always kind of curious how that comes about like 
what would be the reason to spend all that time to create the light stick and, you know, make all the announcements about the colors and the fan name and whatnot, only to like never give this group more work. Like, right. that it's quite strange to me. And I'm like, is it just an image thing? I, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't it just be, you would you would think business, I mean, and maybe they're just actually not that bad and maybe they're just trying to do them right at the very end. But like, it's like, I don't know, sometimes it's a little too little too late. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've kind of been side-eyeing Cube for since the four minute <laughs> sort of shake up. Um, but CLC has been there and they've been busting their butts for so long. And mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like they, you know, were really late to get a lot of, especially international attention. Uh, but it, it happened finally with the shift in sound. And I feel like they've been doing really well. Like I liked No, I liked Devil. Um, you know, I was watching Producer and, you know, so I did feel like they were sure. kind of coming to their own. Yeah, I think um, especially like when No and um, yeah, No and Devil and like me, you know, they yeah. were, getting in their groove and then I don't know it just kind of I know there's a lot of frustration in that fan base and I feel for them and, and I really like CLC and Soren is actually um I don't know when it's going to come out I don't know I've, I heard she we had some audio issues but I actually filmed an episode or two of Produce Soren with oh. Soren in Korea uh, unfortunately it hasn't come out yet I, I you'd have to ask her where it is but um but you know I feel for them and I'm kind of like it does I really do feel like this album is going to be an important one and it looks like they're definitely they are definitely getting the budget for this you know video and song and you know the look and everything so I hope the fans can also you know come out and, and really you know rally behind them and I hope COVID doesn't postpone it. I have some breaking news to share, but Hannah's um, comeback is now postponed um, because of a, well, I think she's having some health concerns, but also I think just the timing with Corona is not ideal either. Mm, yeah, because she has like an autoimmune sort of, I know yeah. she had issues in the past, so it's one of those yeah. things where it's probably not the best time for her to be, you know, right. promoting and, Pushing herself. Yeah. So oh, okay. maybe Dawn's next. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. No, I'm interested. I actually, for one, do want to see what Dawn's going to do. Yeah. His, his like debut track was really interesting, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things that I see his name attached to are very like unique and very different. And, um, Honestly, ever since Shine, I really look forward to everything Don does, even separate of Pentagon, so. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right, on to the next topic. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a courtesy of a little article from, uh, well, we all love it, koreaboo.com. But, well, this is just from a um, random post that they made about 15-plus uh, songs from third-generation K-pop groups that fans believe will be iconic in the future. Mm. And um, we, you know, being that we talked about, um, you know, second, third, you know, 
2.5 gen um, and kind of the the impressions that they've made um, throughout the years um, what each generation has kind of given to the how you wave it's kind of interesting to think of what the songs will be that will kind of stick from these current groups um, so number us. one yeah. they have red flavor by uh red velvet two is monster by exo cheer up twice 4d black pink dope bts uh love scenario from icon sorry uh growl from exo rough from g friend gashina from send me gotta go by chunga fire by bts really really by winner boom boom by momoland fancy by twice and boss by nct oh and they have it says oh it said 15 songs but i guess i'm gonna go with 16s which is move by shiny shiny statement oh there's more oh, yeah oh, sorry. Uh, i thought to say i thought you said okay i'm gonna be honest i thought you said lube so i was looking for you sorry no no i was I was actually more surprised because it says 15 songs, but like move is 16 on this list. So I'm just actually just more confused. Sorry. Uh, so maybe they, they just can't count there. <laughs> so uh, Taman's move is 16. Energetic by 101 is 17. What? Bad Boy from Red Velvet is 18. Boombaya from Blackpink is 19. And uh, I'm gonna end it here because uh, there's some more, so much more. But uh, number 20 is very nice by 17. Okay, number one, not every single song that a third gym group's produced can be like a legendary song. They they shouldn't yet yeah, know. Um, also, move I definitely agree with, but energetic is a little questionable to me. Um, Probably because I feel like um, Light is the superior 101 song. Um, so maybe that's just my bias coming into play. And then also 17, I think <laughs> it's kind of controversial because <laughs> of all of the stuff going around. But um, I am kind of shocked that Don't Want to Cry is not on there because I feel like Don't Want to Cry is when I feel like personally 17 kind of made a mark. And I feel like a lot of people know Don't Want to Cry um and i mean i get i get i do nice i get that that makes sense but also um i feel like um it's missing sorry i'm going to my <laughs> i'm literally going through my playlist it's missing the seven cents yeah as the mct song that's very strange. I feel that like the not. Seven Cents is kind of like one of those songs that everybody knows is good, but it's like <laughs> underappreciated somehow. That's the most iconic NCT song. <laughs> I just yeah, but it's like it's you never see it on list, right? Yeah, I feel like I don't. Except for our top, what are we <laughs> top one hundred songs of the decade? Yeah, we definitely put it on that list. I mean, they they were like they're so far in the future. The song is not even old. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> the song is still in the future. It's it's still in the future. I mean, that is the perfect song. They did what they needed to do. I have so much respect for that song and for for the for the guys for what they did with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I actually agree with most of this list. I think Boom Boom by Momoland and Icons Love Scenario especially. Like, yeah, what was that like 2014 or something? Oh, no, wait, 2018 or something like that? It was it, like that year that th those two songs dropped was just like, they were 
everywhere. They dominate like everything. But you know what they're missing though? And this is, this is also controversial. Um, Just Right by GOT7, I yeah. is a straight banger. And it's got that, it's got a sound to it that I feel like it's gonna endure the same way that a lot of like the ones that we know from like second gen have endured for real. Yeah, Just no, I definitely real. agree. Yeah. I'm I kind of about it. The only thing I would add with like the NCT, because I think especially I think international fans are like so down with it. They don't they don't need any real context. It's like if it's a good song, it's a good song. I think the only thing that like holds that song back because I think it's great and I think it continues to still sound fresh and it's I, I've actually grown to become a bigger fan of it as it's grown or as it's aged. But um, you know, I think it's just it was just introduced in a confusing way. Like everyone was like, NCT is coming, NCTU, here's five people, here here's seven people. But on the Chinese version, the these people are performing and it and whatnot. And I think it was just like Everyone was like, all right, this is too much. Like you are, you're kind of confusing us. And like, and it took me a moment even to get into onto team NCT just for that reason. But, you know, I think cherry bomb too, in that way. Yeah. It was a little ahead of its time, but I think it's very well um, received now. And I think like people are really into it and it kind of like, they think of that as like one of their representative songs for sure in that way. Um, yeah, and like just similarly, like even Monster X's shootout, I think um, it's really like aggressive and like as a song, but I just feel like it will kind of endure for being like a really like beastly idol kind of representative song in that way. I just always think of the songs that are like go-to performance songs in on like variety shows, especially yeah. one like We K-Pop, uh, which is my little show that I'm a part of. And I remember like Shootout by Monster X was like a big favorite to like, just have them like, you know, automatically go into from like the shaking in the intro to like the kind of like disco hands. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think of those. And I was totally gonna say NCT if it wasn't, or sorry, 17, if it didn't get brought up, but it did. And I'm with you on the don't wanna cry versus very nice debate. Also, I feel like too, just one other thing I'll add, just because I was looking, looking through my playlist. Okay, it might be a little premature to say this, but I do think Temple will age well. Or Don't Mess Up My Temple, is it Don't? I think, okay, yeah, the song is Temple and the album is Don't Mess Up My Temple. Yeah, Okay. I yeah. agree. I think it'll age as well as um, like Overdose and Call Me Baby and like a lot of Exo's bigger songs. Uh, I, I agree. I think I was actually kind of surprised to see Monster in the list and, and like maybe I don't know if this is a ranking, but to see it above Growl was kind of surprising because I feel like Monster was big, but Growl is like EXO's like that was their their breakout yeah, hit. But you don't feel like Monster like I don't get me wrong. Like, you know, of course, Growl is, you know, their hit. Right. But like Monster, I feel like is so much more like widely known and received. And I feel like even when I wasn't like into K-pop like that, I did know of Monster. Like, okay. it, it was something that I, and even if I look at the aesthetics of the video, if I look at, like, if I think about how the song sounds, it it rings K-pop to me. It's something that defines K-pop in many ways, like to me. And I'm not saying Growl doesn't, I just think that 
it, like, you know, why when we're talking about the NCT thing, like the seven cents versus like, you know, there are certain songs that I feel like are a little bit more like representative of the genre. I, um, I, I know what you're getting at 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I see it. Because it's very much that like um, almost like Southern hip hop sound in growl in particular. And like, is that K-pop? And, and I remember thinking we had this discussion. We ended up choosing it as like the best K-pop song of 2013. But I remember having this discussion with, and it was, you know, it was a writer in Korea um, that, you know, being like, but this is such an influence from a specific, you know, sound in hip hop in particular. Um you know, is it K-pop? And, and I, I, I totally know what you're, you're picking up on too, is like, you know, something like Monster, or personally, my, my pick would actually go to Love Shot as the representative EXO song that will stand the test of time. Um, but, you know, you want it to be like sort of a, you don't want it like necessarily cherry picking from other influences so much so that you kind of question, is it K-pop at its core like that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, I personally would have picked like Overdose or something, but you know, <laughs> that's my fair, fair. I mean, yeah. Or Poppy Baby, but you know, it is Monster's a great song. So I mean, and that era was like a really strong era. I think it was also Lay's last one with them. Um, oh, this yeah. Is yeah, so. <laughs> Lay's. <laughs> I like Lay. Uh, so. <laughs> if you watch the tempo video, he's there for a clean two seconds. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they flew him there for for a line. It, I mean, I would have taken it. I, I took it. I accepted it. It's fine. But <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I would have preferred for him to be there. I actually think that putting red velvet, red flavor at the top is probably the the best thing um on this list because i definitely agree that i mean outside of uh sister and what they were able to do with the summer red velvet was able to sort of create their own moment in the summer as well with red flavor and it was everywhere chung has gotta go was really popular when i went to korea um it played like everywhere <laughs> when i was out there it was crazy uh and i, I mean i really do love the song uh, twice's cheer up Every time yeah. I think about it twice, that's probably one of the first songs. I know, I, and I'm obsessed with that song. And you know what's strange? I've never heard the full song. <laughs> don't roast <Wow>. me. <laughs> don't roast me. <laughs> but I love I love it so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that they put Fancy on the list too, because I think that Fancy, like Cherub is like their young, youthful, girly, sort of like cheerleader energy, like, you know, um, SNSD's O. And then they have like Fancy, which is, you know, the shift into more, you know, we're, we're not just like girls, we're like young women now. So, you know. You know, fancy. I was kind of surprised that like those, that Fancy made it above like TT or even Likey. Um, maybe I'm just a real, I, I think Likey and Heartshaker was like two of like the best releases in a way that like, where like Genie and, or G and Genie O-esque era, like that really just like three pop songs, like right in a row, just nailed it, you know, like, um, that's what it reminds me of, but I'm really happy to see, I'm glad that people like Fancy. I think that was a huge moment for them. I love Fancy. That was, I think, our pick for like best song of that year that it came out. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. It came out. Yeah, it was one of the best songs for yeah. sure. And it also made it, didn't it make it on our top 100 of the decade? 
I think so I'm as well. Sure it, it was it was definitely a fan favorite, and I really like the mini too. I, I like it fancy. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, and um, I mean, you can't talk about it without uh, like, as I said, love scenario was like the song. <laughs> I know. I remember us arguing, me, you, and Ash arguing if love scenario or shine was the better song. Yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't even remember who won. Uh, both groups have had shakeups since then too. I mean, <laughs> a lot has uh, happened. <laughs> is actually, Shine by Pentagon is a great suggestion too. Yes. Uh, I Pentagon never really got their moment per se, but man, that's a great track as well. I think if they didn't weren't in the same year as other strong songs uh, yeah. with maybe more louder fan bases at the time, I think that they would have definitely. Oh, yeah, because 2018 was a packed year. Even yeah. didn't like 101 have like their, wasn't it their last, their disbandment in 2018? Am I tripping or was that 2018? Because I remember we did like a thing about it. I can't yeah, remember. They, they were active 2017 and then, yeah, I think disbanded at the top of 2018. Yeah. Highest one came eventually. So, but. yeah, it was pretty tight. Um, like, it's interesting. They put Mama Moo's hip near the bottom. I don't know why, because that's a good song. I, You know, people, you know, have their thoughts on Mama Moo and that's valid. But I think in terms of that song particularly, and I think it's a solid song, even to Hwasa's solo work. Like I love Twit. Yeah, no, I, Twit is a really yeah, good song. Twit's a good song. Good one. But, no, I'm just surprised that that was a song for Mama Moo that they picked. It wasn't like because I thought hip was a bad song. It was more like when I think of like Mama Moo, I think of like Piano Man and uh, Mr. Ambiguous Calcum. and Calcum. Yeah, like I feel like all of these other songs, I wouldn't really pick Hip to be sort of like a representation. Bias. Sorry? It could be recency bias. I mean, yeah. no, absolutely. It's performed with JYP last year, right? Everybody's performed with JYP. We should perform with JYP. He would like it. He loves the disco, so, you know. It'd be a good time. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the list is good. It's solid, I think. Um, I know they don't really necessarily consider them like nation songs or national songs as much anymore. Uh, but it'd be kind of interesting to see what songs do stand the test of time because you never know. Like they're using Into the New World for protests, so which is sort of like reinvigorating that. You know, What's Into the New World? Um, so that's uh, Girls' Generation's their, their debut song. Oh, sorry. So, no. Yeah, wow. it was okay. You don't want that on record. Cut it from the... No, just <laughs> no. Nah, nah. When we do our Girls' Generation um, album review, <laughs> you're going to be introduced to them. So I feel bad. Just because I'm not that familiar with Girls' Generation, I, I'm ashamed. I'm going to go take the walk of shame. Somebody can bring a bell behind me. Uh, so the next topic uh, is going to be K-pop in the year of COVID-19. Uh, I mean, it's kind of been all over the place. We've had disbandments. We've had uh, BTS going English, which is something they had said they would not be doing. We are having um, just 
so much disruptions in a normally like orderly uh, industry. You know, uh, Koreans like order, they like routine, and COVID has sort of thrown that all out the window. Uh, so how is everybody feeling about K-pop in the year of COVID? Mm, I'm gonna be honest, I'm kind of unimpressed so far with a lot of the releases. I mean, they're good releases, don't get me wrong, but I don't think there's been that one thing that like, I can specifically remember each year so far that at least that we've been on air together, us, you know, and Jay, um, that, you know, there were, there was at least one song that like got stuck in my head is on my playlist to this day. I listen to it every time in my car, I open up the sunroof and, you know, you know, my thing riding on the highway. I love that. Um, I don't think there's been that song that far. That's not to say there aren't good songs. Cause I did go back to the, when we we did the 80s album review which you can find exclusively on patreon um and uh i did mention one of the songs on that album as being i think me you and i nat we both like agree that that was the best song the last I, song right yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I you can find out exclusively on patreon um, uh, i i did curious <laughs> you know what um what I honestly did forget the name of the song. I just know how it goes. That I I'm so bad at that. Um, it's the yeah, oh, it's the English song off the record. It's there. Uh, one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. Day, yeah. I love that That's song. Um, but other than that, and then there was the one. I think it's I'm in trouble. Was it newest or bet bet something that newest came out earlier in the in the year. Yeah, they, they put out I'm in Trouble this year. Bet Bet was last year. Okay, yeah, I'm in Trouble. I did like that song a lot. Um, and then okay. I, I love Black Swan. I mean, I do still listen to Black Swan. Oh. Um, but other than that, like, I don't have anything that's, like, really made it to my playlist that is something I listen to, like, on a daily basis or, or even, you know, on a weekly basis. So... I don't know, I, but you know, in terms of what I think the year holds going forward, well, if you know, if we somehow can get a shiny comeback, that would be great. Um, but even if not, I am curious about Super M's album, even though they could have kept one hundred. Um, one hundred. BTS's album, and I also think that you know, outside of the actual music. There are going to be some developments that we haven't seen in many recent years. I know there's a lot of buzz around K-pop in the Grammys and K-pop in the VMAs and a lot of these award shows. And, you know, no matter how we feel about the Grammys, <laughs> all of our listeners and everyone, um, it is interesting to see, you know, groups like Super M getting buzz like that and um, seeing, you know, a K-pop category added to the VMAs and, and trying to see what that means going forward for the integration of K-pop in sort of uh, American music industry. So um, I do think that there are a lot of things coming that way, if that makes sense. A lot of interesting things down the pipe. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I think for me, I've literally been listening to three K-pop songs. <laughs> And like a playlist on Apple Music, uh, it's Dumdurum by uh, A Pink, Cora P Pum from Sunmi, and When We Disco by JYP. I don't know what it is. The, the vibe from those it's three JYP. songs, well, the vibe from those three songs, anyways, is just like so soothing. Like I can just like have it playing in the background when I work, and it's just like, you know, any sort of stress I feel is just like 
removed from my body. It's just so perfect. And I mean, A-Pink has definitely become one of my favorite groups in the last, like, I mean, I like them with No, 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 Remember, Only One. Like, I've been always, I've always been a fan of them, but when they sort of came back with, like, I'm so sick, and since then, that has just, I don't know, like, they have just jumped forward as one of, like, my favorite girl groups and one of the top groups out there, and they haven't, they haven't missed yet, which is insane, but like they just keep bringing the hits and like they don't even all sound the same. Like, you know, like I'm so sick doesn't sound like ung ung, it doesn't sound like don't rum, it doesn't sound like remember, it doesn't sound like uh, no, 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 you know, like it doesn't sound like any of these songs. And it's just fantastic to see them continue to evolve as artists and continue bringing us the music that we love. And Sunmi, I mean, I love Sunmi. I saw her when she played in Toronto last year and uh Kashina I remember when Kashina dropped like I it was some it was like something in the morning I don't know even know why I was up but I was up and I was watching this video and I wanted to scream because it was so fantastic like everything about it was just sunny <laughs> she's so weird but it was just amazing and she's she has she seems like she has like the best spirit and so I I love everything about her and I mean <laughs> The JYP whisper on a song is usually a good indication <laughs> of a hit. So. I miss it. I really miss the JYP whisper. And Especially on the Wonder Girls. It's been uh, collab with Kashina. Yes, and Move, because Move came out that year. Yeah. So it was, it, like, it, it was a fantastic time. And in terms of, like, the future, yeah, I mean, seeing, remembering, you know, being a teenager and watching NSYNC and and like Britney Spears on the and the VMAs and like Madonna and Janet and stuff like that in the 90s and just now seeing you know this genre I've been into for so long getting this sort of recognition I yeah people can say you know they're doing it for views they're doing it for whatever but it's still happening so like <laughs> take it for what it is be excited it is kind of like an exciting thing I mean since I have had my problems with the Grammys, as you mentioned, because they hate Beyonce. And I've had my problems with the VMAs as well for other reasons. But I am genuinely excited to see what happens and how they integrate, you know, this huge market that they want to capitalize on, obviously, because at the end of the day, it's about money uh, and seeing how they incorporate that. Because last year we had them on the Old Time Road remix with Lil Nas X. Yeah, and they yeah. performed, that was this year. Now that I think about it, it was, they performed. You're right. That's right. wild. Oh it my God. It's been a long year. Oh my I, gosh. You know what, in that span of time, Kobe Bryant passed away. We had murder hornets, aliens were discovered. So many <laughs> things have happened. An alternate universe was discovered too, right? <laughs> I don't remember that one. That aliens, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I'm like really excited <laughs> just to see what happens next. And yeah, Super M, I'm excited for the full album. I really am because me and Jimin, when that mini dropped, we had a oh, two, hour, two, two hour plus. We talked like, okay, the episode <laughs> ended up being like, we ended up putting out like two hours of it, but I swear we talked for like four hours on five songs. So yeah, take I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but that mini was everything. And yeah, 100 is not what I would consider a dropping of 2020. Uh, but 
she had a special sauce on it that like, I don't even know what it was, but like, you know what it could be too? It could just be us like being obnoxious about super in. I think that a lot of people, I feel like you can brain your, brainwash yourself into liking something. Not saying that I didn't like dopping in the beginning, but like, I do feel like you can brainwash yourself into like, thinking like hyping something up just because it's fun to hype that thing up like jo just to say the word dropping it dropping just is fun it gives you energy <laughs> like, yeah, i mean you know what the internet did take dropping and i remember ung ung like to the next level last year it was like have you dropped today have you ung ung today and people kind of just i think there was a lot of like negativity in the fandoms as well. And so people sort of gravitated towards Super M as like this, this happy oh, space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was so like a place for all of us to sort of get together and just be happy about K-pop and, and be happy about our favorite groups sort of coming together and doing this special project and like touring and, you know, being on these award shows and having this premiere in, in the States. And like, I, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody has really been that great crazy about, 100 but i don't think it's really dampened anybody's anticipation no not at all especially when album. i stepped out with that uh target brand jacket or like <laughs> yes. that uh, to the listener who <laughs> pointed that out um, i just i've been talking a lot so i'm just gonna end with uh <laughs> the album being a great album uh that i'm anticipating um i'm hoping that it does live up to the, the name because if you call yourself the album, I think that's what Blackpink is calling their album, right? Yeah. I feel like you have to live up to it. And it, already, I feel like they're already expanding their musicality if they're not working with Teddy and they're trying new things and they're work, collaborating with all these different people. So I'm kind of excited to see how it is, you know? And uh, yeah, and, and the solos that probably will not manifest, uh, but I'm excited for it. Anyways, I'm excited to see Rose do her thing if she does get a solo this year. And I think that is it. Sorry for talking too much. <laughs> Ash, Jeff? Well, were there any thoughts on, any more thoughts on the Grammys? Oh. I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I personally, I think it's cool to see the, uh, like, you know, potential buzz being created for K-pop via the Grammys. I mean, just knowing how that award show and those structures work, um, I do think things are changing, but um, I'm not totally sure a couple journalists or like articles just out of nowhere saying like certain artists are gonna get nominated or not is, is really like exactly how it goes. But you know, it is exciting and potentially cool to see those conversations happen. Uh, especially, I think if you know, depending on how these upcoming releases we're talking about for August and September and October, how those are accepted and how they do um, in a larger sense, you know, I think there's a lot of to be said for where those where those Grammy prospects go. Um, I still will never forget being um, being tricked last year by um, the. Um, Best new artist at the at the 2020 Grammys, and the um and it was not um it was not like Black Pink, but it was Black Pumas being announced, and everyone being like like holding uh, like that, that Taylor Swift gif where like you know she's uh she's getting 
she they thought you know 1989 was getting called or whatever but it was 19 by whatever it was you know like the whatever how she got tricked and everyone holding their breath or whatever but um you know i i think i i don't know i mean again i'm not the biggest fan of award shows and I, and i just hope every a lot of these things to me feel very much like a lot of relationships and you know I, I even with like the vma categories it's not that i'm saying anyone like in the k-pop category is not deserving of who got nominated but rather it's just like they all have u.s representation or some type of u.s connection and it makes me just wonder like does mtv are they looking at the scene at large or are they looking at who they have relationships with and you know if they throw a bone to their k-pop act they can get there you know, the other acts that they also want for the show. And so, you know, is an act less worthy because they don't have a US representation? No, I don't think so. But um, so things like that kind of grind my gears just a tiny bit. But, you know, I would like to hope that it's all done in a way of, you know, general acceptance and general respectability, I would like to hope. Um, but, you know, this year too, you know, I, I will say, um, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to plug my own projects or anything like that, but, you know, being able to, um, you know, title is the streaming service I'm currently doing work for. And we launched a whole K-pop genre page and we're doing, you know, uh, mood and activity playlists and, and, you know, other things, um, you know, like a specific K-pop playlist and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's really forced me to go back to, the listening um, process and go back to, and remind myself like, oh yeah, like this is why you like the music. And, and as a fan of music, you know, what I listen to, it doesn't have to always be about like some flashy visual or some flashy choreography. So I've ended up, I think at least personally, finding a lot of new kind of like song gems and actually dumbed it around is my like top played song of the year. Um, just cause I think it's, you know, I love what it stands for for them as well, but I think it's just an incredible song, but you know, opening myself up to, you know, like I think someone like Chanyo of XO, he's done a lot of really interesting collaborations this year. Um, whether that's been with like Lee Soo Hyun, I think is her name or, um, he did this great song with Raiden and Lehigh. Um, and he did something recently with uh, Rafi and opening myself up to like being like, oh, I can like, you know, these songs weren't highly promoted or like topping the charts or on even the music programs or things like that. But when everything is coming in, you know, taking a time, taking the time to listen to the music, I've actually found like a lot of little gems. Like I like Twas's solo album, but actually she had this OST called Orbit that I really loved. Um, I'm not even sure what, uh, I think it was for Eternal Monarch, the King, I think is what it's called, or I, I don't really know K-dramas that well, but I ended up like liking that song and I don't really listen to OSTs and stuff like that, but I ended up getting into it as a result of, um, as a result of just, you know, seeing everything come in. So I don't know. I mean, I think like it's tough to say, right? Like COVID has definitely like put a lot of plans on hold and a lot of promotions on hold, but it's at least on from a personal perspective, it's kind of at least this time has forced me to kind of go back to like listen. And like, especially like a song like that 80s track you guys were talking about, um, the record that's in English. I think it's like so cool to hear that. And it's not like they are, 
getting the chance to come over to America and perform it here. Like it's just included on the album and you need to take it as a piece of music as it is. And I think it's a great piece of music. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of title, shout out to them because before Apple Music did not have Japanese discographies for K-pop artists, but Tidal did. So I was able to listen to the SNSD stuff, the Tiara stuff, all through Tidal because um, they didn't have it on Apple Music as yet. But now Apple Music has it. So obviously, like, you know, and I'm really working to expand the K-pop offerings of Tidal. We're like, you know, where we're getting it's a process, but yesterday, um, an after school album came in, like, cause they're kind of updating the back catalog. And it was like, so exciting to me. I'm like, yeah, like I was that Oprah GIF, you know, online. <laughs> yes, the one she's shaking, yes. <laughs> uh, lastly, Ash, do you have anything to oh, add about- you know, Can I, uh, what, what, okay, you're like? Oh, wait, Jimin, were you gonna add something? I, yeah, I didn't know if there was a lag or not. <laughs> um, I was just gonna add um, to Jeff's point um, about you know the award shows. I think that's a very valuable insight in uh, understanding. You know, you know, like you said, being mentioned in an article doesn't necessarily mean that things are gonna happen. And it will, you know, it will be interesting if those things do happen. But um, is definitely just seeing how things are playing out. It, it does, you know, it is an interesting development. Um, and it comes down to, it's just interesting to hear. I keep saying the word interesting because I'm trying to form my thought. Um, but it is interesting to hear, um, the, think of, to think about the process of like, you know, it's a relationship-based industry. And um, to sort of understand it, I just kind of want to highlight that because I thought that was really important to note. Yeah, that and also to um, talking about artists that don't have U.S. distribution, because that's not something that a lot of people can kind of like understand right away. Like if you're not signed to like Universal, you're not signed to these right. these, these distribution networks, you know, it, it's, it's harder for you to get your music out there and having it on the Internet is great and all. But who's going to be opening the doors for you so you can be at like Grammy pre-shows and, and, you know, do Coachella and things like that? Yes. You kind of need the sort of like in some ways you kind of do need um because it is really about who you know unless your song is so huge like sigh that you know doors are open in themselves you know <laughs> like people are tripping over yeah. themselves to get you there right uh, so that's why it's always important exactly people came to sigh because it was undeniable at that point but you know exactly. now it's like the reverse you know they can kind of come in through the back door a bit in that way so yeah. again yeah it's so important, as I said, like, um, I was just gonna lastly say that to support your faves, <laughs> support their music, you know, stream it, buy it if you can. I'm not, I do not recommend bulk buying guys because I feel like it's just a waste, but I do like, if you like something and you have a means of playing it at home, please do support your faves and, you know, um, tweet about them, stream them, watch their MVs, share their music. There's so many ways that you can be a fan and and sort of support, you know, some of the groups that don't have all the opportunities that the bigger agencies do come with. So it's always just important to love what you love and, you know, support it as much yeah. as you can. And that extends uh, to a lot of different things, even to your favorite restaurants, you know, it, we are in an uncertain time is all the commercials say. So, um, <laughs> 
it is very important to um, support the things that you're interested in. I mean, anything in the community that you support, um, if you can, even just talking about it can help it, you know, retweeting it, like Nat said. So it's a good point, Nat. Hey, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how to take that, but sure. <laughs> uh, Ash, we keep cutting you off, and I feel yeah, like sorry, I really said anything. I'm sorry. Okay, I was just going to ask if there was any further thoughts on that. Nope, not for me. Okay, are we all wrapped up then? Yes. Yeah, I just want to emphasize too, you know, like support your faves, and especially just from where I'm sitting on the media side they know when things aren't supported as well. Like, they'll be like, we tried it with so-and-so and it just didn't work. So like, and I almost kind of like, well, you're just done with them forever. You know, like, no, you know, like things ebb and flow all the time. But again, because we are in this uncertain time, especially now when budgets are so cut and everything, it's like, it's like do or die right now. You know, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not that dire, but, um, but you know, it's like, it's like, the support goes goes works in so many ways, even beyond like a trending Twitter topic or being number one on a chart or you know what I mean. Like there are there's a lot there's a lot that goes into there. So I think you guys bringing that up in K-pop and of course in like the larger world around us, it's like it's so important. Yeah, definitely. Good ending words there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> And that was another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. I would like to thank again Jeff Benjamin for joining us for this episode. It was very, very inspiring, interesting, illuminating. Thank you. Thank you for all of the I words. Yeah, I was going to say informative. informative. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> thank you so much. I just want to say to you guys too, a thank you too, because you guys kind of, you know, you inspire me too, because I look to you guys for your perspectives. You know, I, I follow you on Twitter the most part, but, you know, I just want to say thank you to you guys too for what you put out there. And like, you know, I think you're a great guidepost and lamppost for so many fans, especially people who are trying to, you know, do better and, and who want to you know, not just blindly follow the trends and, and follow these artists, but like you guys have good discussions, you know, you're always respectful. You do it in a way that I think um, is very like accessible and respectful. And, and I just want to also say that you guys inspire me too, because it, it's a really good guidepost to, to, to lots of people, I think, who are listeners and, and you know, who want to support you. And, and I want to help you guys, you know, spread your message as well. So, um, you know, anytime, please reach out, but also just, you know, a general thank you to you um, as well. <laughs> Wow, thank you very much. Thank you. Like big words. <laughs> yeah, we we are not used to these things. As you can high praise. We love to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Come <laughs> on. No, of course. No, I really I I, I mean it. So I want to say thank you to you guys too. Um, we appreciate it very much. Yeah. And um for those of you out there, if um oh Jeff. Um, before we go, um, do you have want to give the listeners any way that they can reach you or contact you? Yes, 
Um, well, you know, if you've listened this long, thank you. But if you want to talk more, I'm always down. You know, I, I love Twitter. I love Instagram. It's so easy to get in touch with. Uh, try my best always to respond. And um, and yeah, also on email. You know, my email is in my Twitter bios and my Instagram bios. And yeah, and I just hope also there's more opportunities for all of us to talk more as well. And whether that's, you know, on Twitch or new things or TikToks or whatnot, you know, like I think, um, you know, I just always love the people who want to have genuine discussions and want to be excited together. So if you're that person, uh, reach out. I'm down. <laughs> At Jeff Benjamin underscore underscore or sorry, oh my God, I said my own name wrong. At underscore <laughs> underscore Benjamin for my double life. Thank you. <laughs> and you can always reach us at NYA Netizens on Twitter. We are at notyouraveragenetizens at gmail.com. We are on Facebook at notyouraveragenetizens, on Instagram at notyouraveragenetizens. And on YouTube at Not Your Average Netizens, you can find us on SoundCloud, our new episodes every other week. We also have a Patreon at Not Your Average Netizens where we are posting our new album reviews every week, um, mostly on time. Um, <laughs> we, are, we are announcing it on Twitter, however, if you would like to keep abreast of our um, postings that way. And yes, um, if you'd like to support us, we are come continuously producing content that way. Yeah. So um, also, can I just interrupt? Also, yes. our live streams every yes. other Friday. Uh, we are also sort of testing out a more interactive mm. form of inter of sort of communicating with people. And our last one was a trial and error. <laughs> yeah, it was a hot mess. It was a fun hot mess. You so everybody. Like Everybody had a good time, uh, but you know, you did mention Twitch. We are, I think, gonna make try to move that, and yes. we're gonna have some fun. Um, so I hope that you know it is one of our more Patreon content, but we're sort of testing it out right now for everybody, and we do want to see you guys, and uh, we are definitely gonna announce it before it happens, and just the topics and things like that. So please do support us, um, however you can, even if it's just sharing our podcast. Yeah. We appreciate it. We will put the links um, in the description for this episode on, on the different podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, what have you for our Twitch streams and our um, Patreon and everything. So yeah, and also Jeff's new book when it drops. Yes, we have, mm. to, we have to know about that, so we, we can't wait. Um, <laughs> by the way, just really quickly, I want to say shout out to K Tiger Zero. We oh, will be reviewing your new album. We love you, babies. Um, oh. <laughs> um, and shout out to Jungkook because you know I always have to shout out Jungkook. I mean, why? His hair is longer. I appreciate it. Yes, I, I was about to say, isn't his hair getting longer? I can't wait till it's like. Let me stop. <laughs> Amazing, incredible. All yeah. right, <laughs> I just want to shout that out. <laughs> Any other shout outs? You guys done? Yeah, uh, I think that. Shout out to uh, Jiang and, you know, his birthday came up. It was a great day. Uh, I would have loved, you know, a surprise release of some sort. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just shout out to him. And you know what? Shout out to Junjun from Xinhua, who's getting married soon. 
Um, very excited about that and cannot wait to see the pictures from his wedding. So, yeah. Can I do oh. a shout out? Yes. yes. To bring it full circle, this was the first week um, Nana from After School, who yeah. is currently in a pretty popular drama from what I understand, Into the Wind or Into the Something. Um, she recorded an OST single for the drama and it's like her first song in like forever and it came out this week and uh you know as a full circle moment for me hearing her voice you know from from you know first hearing her in after school and you know <laughs> to now this so it, it was a very like welcoming like oh i missed you you know <laughs> like so shout out to nana for putting out music not you know, she's mostly an actress these days, but yep. as most of our second generation favorites may be. But you know what? She 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 still put out a song and it was very um, appreciated by me. So shout out to Nana. Check out the song. I kind of forgot the name, but it's there. It's an OST <laughs> and you can find it. Yeah, no, shout out to her and those bangs too. She looks good on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right well if that's all then thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode bye, bye you guys bye. bye thank you